Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. I'm at breakfast on SENZ. Yeah, welcome in. Summer breakfast, 23rd of December. Gee, we must be getting close to something. Boxing Day racing. Hey, we're not far away. Sunday, bring it on. Can't wait. Welcome into the summer breakfast on SCNZ, kicking off your summer day this morning. Bit groggy this morning. Big day moving house. Kempi's going to put me on his broad shoulders and carry me throughout the morning. Good to again. have you. Again, good to have your company. Yeah, oh, mate. Oh eight hundred one five oh oh yours too, <laughs> but mostly our lovely friends comrades around the country. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven is the Kennard's high phone line or double eight double three to get in touch. We need your help throughout the morning today. I'm going to get Kimpy going on the Warriors, and I'm not going to be able to do it myself. We're going to have an honest conversation about the Warriors' chances and performance this year, the NRL season coming, and I can't wait to do so in the seven o'clock hour. We've got plenty of nice guests to get through as well. It's not going to be all doom and gloom. Hey, it might be positive. You never know. Alan Sharrick, yeah, the the future Prime Minister and the the Mayor of Taranaki, he's coming on at about 7 o'clock this morning because fields are out, markets are up, Boxing Day Racing is here. I know we've got to get through Matamata today, and I've actually got a two-leg multi that I feel very, very good about, and I'll explain why through the course of the morning. But Boxing Day Racing is here. The markets are open. Uh, the Zabil Classic is the Group 1 account of the day. And I think there's some interesting... Uh, it's an interesting punting race because some of the favourites have drawn sticky, which I thought would have been going very, very close. Anyway, we're going to try to catch up with someone to talk some darts in the 7 o'clock hour as well. Uh, the darts at this time of year, the World Darts Championships, are a huge event over in the Alley Pally. And we'll try to work out who's going to win this thing, where they're at, and how it's going. Huey Bainan, well, he's got a new gig. He is now involved with uh, Basketball New Zealand. Well, he has been for a long time. But just with his role with Basketball New Zealand, he's taking over, I think he's the GM of leagues. I think that's his official title. We'll work that one out. We'll get it in the dock. Um, But... He's taking over where Justin Nelson left off with the NBL. So this this f- funding increase that they're going to be getting, well, ten times what they were a year, so close to a million, over a million bucks a year. 
this must be wonders for, or this must be very exciting times for Hugh at least, because the NBL is probably what is going to come off the back of this and, and uh, be rewarded the most, I would think. We'll ask Hugh, we'll find that out. David Branch is the man around town at Cambridge Raceway. Now, they've announced a slot race, which is close to $900,000. This is harness racing I'm talking about, and this is something that the Everest... Peter Volandes has done over in Australia, that's for about $15 million, but $900,000 for a harness race in New Zealand, which would make it, I think, the second or third richest race in New Zealand behind the Karaka Millions. Maybe the Derby is still up at that kind of value? No, I don't think it is, actually. So this is very interesting times and exciting times for Cambridge Raceway. We'll talk about that. We'll go pacing for purpose as well. And Tim Seifert out of ND Cricket. There's plenty to get through this morning, Kempi. And um, to be honest, I just want to start and just kind of talk my way through these fields for Boxing Day, mate. I'm so excited. Yeah, look, I started looking at them last night too. I see some good racing on Sunday. Um, not just at Allersley, down in Awapuni too. So it kicks off today with our conversation with John Bell yesterday. We've got a – I've chucked one in, in early um, into my multis, mate. Just I've got I've got a place multi and a, and a possible, possible Alan Shirk. Uh, winner for Saturday, for Sunday as well to to anchor a multi too. So, yeah, mate, there's there's plenty of goodies running around. A, a few of the good ones have been drawn poorly, um, especially up here in Ellerslie. But you know, you got some. Make sure you have a look at the jockeys when you're jumping on. They can pull them into a couple of better slots too. Yeah, well, I tell you, the the horse or the filly that's drawn the poorest of them all, and just yeah, I don't know if, whether we're going to get a shot at them. Uh, if I get paid, well, we talked about how there was only six <laughs> in the race. I think the other trainers around the country went, shit, there's only six in the race. All they were just being lazy with their noms. The race is fleshed out. We've got one, two, three, four, about 12 starters. And uh, if I get paid, barrier 10. Grilzy does the riding, but 10 out of 12 on a two-year-old race. Uh, I don't know what the plan is here. Have got no information from the trainer, Jamie Richards, or, or I doubt he would have even considered what they'd do. Maybe you push the button and go forward, but over 1,100-meter race in her first start, I dare say they'll just be looking for some cover, and and we'll see. I mean, it's exciting. You never really know. Well, Not well, with two-year-olds. No, in two-year-olds. I reckon you're right. I reckon they do push the button and get it out as quick as they can and and just put it in the race, you know. Um, but Girls is on it. He, you know, he's had plenty of experience with, I guess, those wide draws and where to, where to, where to jump. Um my, I actually, I actually quite liked your horse too. I thought it was a chance. Yeah, it, this is a nice. This is a smart race. There's a there's a couple of here that have gone to the races and run good races. Then there's some uh, Jafira, uh, Dynastic, um, Excelsior for Cody Cole. There's a few here that like, can gallop just watching their trials. That's all you can really go off. But one thing you never really know with, especially with two year olds, is how they're actually going to enjoy race day. It's a completely different beast. Yeah, there's not going to be massive crowds at Boxing Day, but it is a completely different beast. The horses are on edge, especially the older horses that know they're going to the races. There's a different vibe in the barn. There's a different vibe in the float. You see the boss man, Jamie Richards, in a suit for the first time, in a tie, his shiny tangerine <laughs> tie. I'm serious. The horses, are, you know, they'll be wondering what exactly. After the big game. Yeah, so... You never know. Moral of the story, you never know. It's going to be exciting to have a horse go around. And shout out to all of the industry participants um, that would have got back from New Plymouth last night. The, the folks, the truck drivers, the stable hands, because, you know, I mean, Johnny Bell was on his way out there, but not all trainers would have gone out there and they would have got home late last night. They'll be up 
before us this morning mucking out. They're the real heroes. Hey, you know, you're talking about getting up early and, and get on the radio. These blokes, you know, knowing Alan's lifestyle and, and having stayed with him a number of times, um, you yeah, know, no matter what, you know, at the crack of dawn, they're, they're well up before we are every day, no matter what, whether they're having a big night with their mates after a race day or catching up with, you know, their, their workers and organising. The day the, the day just ticks over. It's Groundhog Day for them every day. So, um, you know, Johnny Bell, I, I don't think um, Paulie listened to Johnny Bell talk yesterday when the, when he opened up Hot Salsa and Matter Matter today. He was, I think he paid 550 was 550 he opened up at, so... I hope everyone got on him then because he's closing already to 480 and um, can see him closing a little bit more after the show today. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to – I'll let you know at about 6.30 what I'm multiing, multiing hot salsa with a place, and I think it makes sense. So we'll get into that a bit more. Concert Hall, I thought, was going to start favourite uh, in the Zabil Classic, but I think the bookies are thinking with the better, slightly better draw for Tua Lissett, didn't – wasn't – uh, poor by any means getting, I mean, she's coming off a group one victory and two starts ago wasn't poor at all building to that. Vinnie Colgan has won at Ellerslie, um, has won at 2000 metres. There's a lot of ticks there, but I just thought the way Concert Hall savaged the line in the um, the Phillies and Mears race over the mile at Tarapa, the Kali Zuzu, she would be hard to go beat to go back to back. But four fifty a dollar ninety, so there's a bit of value there. Anyway, plenty of time to talk about this, and especially tomorrow as well. We're going to get some of these trainers on in the big dance and uh, have a bit of a discussion. But Kempi, um, yesterday you didn't have to go Christmas shopping, did you? No, nah, mate. I uh, I actually cruised home. I got ahead of a little bit of a nana nap, to be honest. The the, the week had started catching up on me. Um, and just got out, you know, I did, I did actually go with the bride up the road and, and carry a couple of bags for her. She's still doing the, the, the last of the, the Christmas shopping. Um, but yeah, kept caught up with a, a good mate, said hello and, and just really had a quiet one today. I've got a couple of busy days coming up leading into Christmas. Um, I'll tell you one thing I did do though, when I left here was I went and caught up with my son who works just down the road at uh, Alexander Hemsworth, who's a lawyer and. He's still working. He's working through before he heads back down to Taranaki himself, I think, tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, no, mate, I really, this week's all about radio. Talking to you, Louis. Pretty impressed, actually, with the, the way that you've been running your show and the boys in the back here. Joe's off um, taking an early break. I don't think he copped it too well yesterday when I told him that he looked like a pastel ghost. Um, sulked his way out of here. And, yeah. And, and the way you gave it to him about his shirt, his Hawaiian shirt, you know. Uh, is Joe's a Joe's just Joe, mate. Joe's I don't even know if you can offend Joe. <laughs> I just think he's Hey, how about this? News coming through last night. The black gap. So we we're not gonna have a home summer next year because they're gonna be in Pakistan through December and January. I don't know how that's meant to work. But anyway, sure. They're gonna we get on you, Rummy's Raja and the team there, were, I, I assume that this was in the World Test Championship program, so we would have known, but still bizarre to see uh, test matches for New Zealand announced and then not in New Zealand for January and December. That's when we play our cricket, isn't it? Um, but we're playing Bangladesh here starting at New Year's Day. Wahoo, another test series against Bangladesh at home. Maybe we can put up a... It's a great chance for the lads to, to pad the stats. That's what it is. The, especially the, the batsmen, they're going to get a nice track there. And uh, I shouldn't be so disparaging of Bangladesh. They are a good test side and they do have good players. But let's be honest, it's not the head, headline act we would have loved. That's besides the point. 
I feel like I've started on a bit of a negative foot there. Um, what I'm really curious about is there's no AJ's Patel in this test squad. This is the squad. Tom Latham, Tom Blundell, Trent Bolt, Devin Conway, Matt Henry, Cole Jameson, Daryl Mitchell, Henry Nichols, Ruchin Ravindra, Tim Southey, Ross Taylor, Neil Wagner, Will Young. Now, Ruchin Ravindra can spin it, so I guess he's going to take the bulk of the spin work when there will be any, if there is any. And I assume this means we're just going to have green wickets for the summer and they just didn't see a place for AJ's Kempe. No, look, how disappointing is that? You know, has probably a once-in-a-lifetime experience with 10 wickets and then finds himself on the back burner um, the next time they name a test team. So, you know, like, mate, I don't know what it's like when you don't get picked for your first, for your first squad. Um, it may be... He'll be probably wondering what, what he's done wrong and you know, hopefully he can bounce back from this. But you'd never know, mate. Like Nothing nothing at the top of the game is ever, unless you're Sonny Bill Williams, of course, um, nothing nothing is ever guaranteed. Well, I'll tell you why this is a bit, in my opinion, why this is a bit frustrating. It's It screams like a missed opportunity. I mean, we're going to, and I know this isn't the way high-performance coaches think and you'll be able to confirm this, we're going to smash Bangladesh in our own t- conditions. Like, we are. I don't know what the TAB would have the odds for this test series, but we're going to win. We've got a very good test side. They're playing in uncomfortable conditions. It's just like us when we go there or to India. It's hard. Except the difference, the golf and class from the two teams, the sides, is is significant. They're not terrible. I'm not, it's not what I'm saying. But where the missed opportunity comes is AJS Patel has done something that only two other blokes in cricket history have ever done. And you're not going to have him out there for the kids to be around, for the part of the squad to build his confidence. I mean, one day we we do we talk about it. We need spinners. We we haven't with this kind of, you know, not been a lost generation, but it's not like we've produced a spinner like Daniel Vittori since Daniel Vittori. Mm. And, you know, before then, it's not like they were coming thick and fast. Here's a chance to back a guy in and say, hey, look, in our conditions, not just in India, we know you can do this. Yeah, and and you raise and you raise a really good point too. You know, bringing him back on a home soil and and getting most of our community around the Indian community to support cricket and and they would have embraced it. You know, the promotion that you could have built up and around Asia Asia's Patel. The coaches don't really give two hoots about that no. sort of stuff. But right. you know, when you when you're looking at how um, I guess this COVID stuff has panned out and you're trying to to get support. You know, I would have thought you'd bring him back in the country. The first bloke you put on the on the team sheet is AJ Patel when you're looking for a spinner, um, but build the promotion around him to to try and get that, I guess, that interest in the game in New Zealand high before they head off out of out to Pakistan for the rest of the year. Oh, I understand it's not all candy floss and backpacks, you know. I get it, but I'm also suggesting that he's not going to be out of place on the squad, even on green wickets. He's bowled his whole career. He understands what it's like. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a team of nobodies, too, that he took 10 wickets against. No, clearly not. Um, I, I don't think he's... I think we're probably underdone. I think we... Do you know, there's a chance that we actually underappreciate this feat. In the moment, it, it was incredible, and we gave it the praise it deserves. We spoke about it for a week. But if we forgot about it already, and, and look, again, I'm not saying pick him for the tokenism point of have him here so we can go and give him a pat and a handshake on the boundary. That's part of it, though. I actually think he's more than capable of spinning it in our conditions, and I think this would have been a perfect way to give him the opportunity to prove that. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, like I said to you the other day, if it was Richard Hadley taking 10, 10 wickets, we'd be talking it, talking it for 50 years. 
You know what I mean? But you did right. Asia Patel's taken ten wickets, and not only has everyone forgotten it, he's lost a spot. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's a big, it's crazy. It, it would never have happened in the seventies. And Gary Stead, to his credit, he front foots it. He says. You do feel for Ajaz after his record-breaking display in India. However, however, we've always applied a horses for courses. So maybe Gary's doing the form. I wonder if he does his form. I know, I know some Baz has told me some stories. Some of those Black Caps coaches have enjoyed a punt from time to time. Uh, we have applied a horses for courses selection policy and believe the players selected best fit the way we want to take on Bangladesh here at home. AKA, we're going to have greener wickets. We want to seam it. So we want to pick Trent Bolt, Matt Henry, Cole Jamison. Daryl Mitchell makes the squad with ball in hand. Tim Southey and Neil Wagner. That's fine. Yeah, okay. Rachin Ravinja gets a go. He can offer a bit more batting and he can he can take some of those spinovers. You notice Mitchell Santos not getting a crack as well. I guess what people will be saying is you can't just say Ajaz Patel should be in the squad and not tell me who should be missed out. And I, I do understand that. I think there's an opportunity here. Did we need Rachin Ravindra and Daryl Mitchell, two all-rounders? Or... Does Matt Henry, and I don't want to say Matt Henry doesn't deserve a spot, but can you put him in instead of Matt Henry? And those are the two places I'd be looking at. Or, or, you just create another spot. Does it work like that? Of course it works like that. You know, and and, and high-performance coaches have done that, you know, especially when you've got a, a, a kid that's, or or a player that you need to be around the environment to, to, to actually soak that environment up and learn. Imagine how much high-performance coaching you can get into Asia's Patel, even if he's not playing, every day while he's there, while the Bangladesh are playing. Well, I guess he, we, they want him. I mean, the, the other, the flip side well, of this freshen, is... You want to freshen a guy that's just, just no, got in there? No, no, no. The flip <laughs> side of this is they'll be playing Super Smash. I assume Super Smash... Well, no, no, Super Smash runs all three here, right? So he's got to be playing cricket. But he's a test cricketer. We're going to need him. What do you think this time next year when we're our home summer is in Lahore? Um, <laughs> oh, he's first, He's a first name on the sheet. Let's give him some reps. But, 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 the, but the, what I'm saying is add, just add another position. Yeah, like, It's I, I not as it. if you haven't got the money to, to keep him in camp. Like Add, add a spot there and, and like say, because what this, what, to me what they're basically saying is there's only a set amount of positions and players are sitting there hoping that they get one of them. Well, create another position. Yeah, that's one call way. it. Call it. Call it the you know warps bench warmer or or whatever, but or the the progression path or seat or whatever. You know what I mean? So create another create another position and put players like Asia Patel that would would flourish in a high performance um, arena mm. over that period and probably still even that he isn't playing get a lot of coaching into him. Well, I hope. I hope, you know, blokes like Dan Vittori, who we had on uh, breakfast, and, and, you know, I hope guys like that have got around AJS Patel and are going to try and capitalise this. But that's what, that's what I mean. The that's what I, you would do. The more I talk about it, the more shocking it kind of feels to me, actually. He, he's he been dropped after a 10 fit. If he can't play, if he's not going to play at a home summer this year, how can he ever be in a test squad for a home summer ever again? I, I hear what you're saying. Like, I, I, well, unless, we gonna, unless, unless we, we drastically change our, sun. Yeah, unless we drastically change our conditions, our pitches exactly. are curated completely different, and the 
well, you know, reading the quote about horses for courses, unless we have completely different environments where we've got, how's AJS Patel ever going to play? Oh, he'd wake up every day, it rains, and start crying. He would. I'm not having a crack. Kind of sounds like I'm having a crack, but I'm not. I'm just... oh, look, there's, there's an argument both sides of the both sides of the fence here. The coaches are, are picking a team based on the squad squad numbers and filling filling gaps where they need them. And, and AJ doesn't doesn't um, make the current structure. Well, guess what? Change the structure. You know, it's a, it's actually a, it's actually a really good squad. I mean, I understand the balance, Rauch and Ravinja and Daryl Mitchell. Let's not minimise what Daryl Mitchell has done, and he deserves a crack in a home summer. You know, he tunned up last year. He's going to be able to bowl overs. Matt Henry is a demon with the ball, especially on these seeming uh, wickets. I get it, but at the same time, I'm just disappointed for ages, and I, I think that's probably it for him in test cr- home test cricket. Did unless- you did you ever ask Bez the question like, does Bez like cucumber sandwiches? Baz loves cucumber and gin. So he's a cucumber. That's that's probably where he gets the tattoos from, the gin. Actually, it? I don't think he drinks gin. That might be the only thing he doesn't drink now I say that. Oh, okay. I just I always always wondered when they went back to the sheds if it was true that they ate cucumber sam- sandwiches and drank tea. Uh, cordial. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> it's getting right. better. 23 minutes past six. Ajaz Patel, double eight, double three. <laughs> what do you think... Should have happened with AJS Patel. Do you think he'll play again in a home test match? Are you surprised? Are you disappointed? Do you love the squad? Flick us a text, you'll give us a call. 800 150 the Kennard's iPhone line. Yeah, it's 28 minutes past 6 o'clock this morning, Kempi. Uh, we're talking AJS Patel. Are you surprised he's missed the Black Caps Bangladesh Ted's squad? AJS isn't centrally contracted. Biggest reason he's not in the squad. That's from an unnamed texter. I take your point but I don't think that means you're not allowed to be picked. And I also assume, and I think, and I haven't checked this in the ad break, but that the centrally contracted squad was announced, or the centrally contracted players was announced before he took 10 Would that be right? So there's just a little thing that's happened in between. So I think you can adapt. And Kempi, someone's come through new position, like how the All Blacks took apprentices on an overseas tour. Is that yeah, what you mean? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Like, you know, create the spot. There's a great text. Um, and then around other, other high-performance teams use it all the time. You know, we've got this. We've got these numbers that, you know, they've only given, they've only given us 25 spots and we can't fit this guy in the squad. Well, can we create another spot? You know? Let's take a... What do you think the All Blacks take up so many young blokes? Right, I bet right. you when they first, when the All Blacks first thought about that, they, they, they it was about one bloke. Asafa Almore? Yeah. Well, I think they might have done it. I remember he was a few years ago. I think they'd done it before that, but he was in this kind of cycle. And look at, you know, maybe he's taken a bit longer to kick on than we thought, but it has worked. He's a handy hooker now. Of course it works. The experience that they get on those type of tours is is invaluable, but not just. The, I'm not talking about playing experience. I'm talking about the whole experience, the touring experience. That's exactly right. Sitting down, learning talking, how to be. A professional. You're talking about Daniel Vittori. You know what I mean? Like organising your high performance um, trainers, organising Daniel Vittori to come in and spend a day with him or three days with him. You know, put him in that position where he's getting the the the. Um, or even just using him as a as a spin bowler for for batting practice. You know what I mean? Like. There's so many, so many things that you could, you could use them for. Um, it's just that you just haven't got a spot for them. 
Yeah, as I say, I understand the mitigating factors about the pitches, the horses for courses approach. I take I take your point on he's not centrally contracted, but at the same time, I don't really because I don't think that ultimately matters. You get a fresh chance to pick a squad. You can do really what you want. Um, and then Kempe's point takes it to the next level. Just add a spot for him. He'll be playing cricket for CD, though, no doubt. He'll be playing Super Smash, um, and it'll be good to see him out there. Tonight, there is Super Smash. Spark Sport has all your Super Smash coverage. Northern Brave Canterbury Kings, uh, the Northern Brave Canterbury Magicians, is the uh, first game, so it's a double header at Bay Oval. Gee, that'll be a party tonight. People have gone home towards the Mount Maunganui area for Christmas. Head down, watch some Super Smash. It'll be great scenario and scenes down there. We're going to talk to Timmy Seifert, who's playing well for the Northern Brave, and we'll talk to him about what they're doing here, this Black Clash, or uh, well, the Clash of the clo- Codes, they're calling it. Northern Brave are going to take on the Chiefs in a game of cricket, so we'll try to work out who Tim Seifert reckons will be the best player out of the Chiefs squad. Love Racing.nz coming up shortly. It is 29 minutes away from 7 this morning. Some breakfast, Louis Herman White and Tony Kemp. Here's the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. into your summer breakfast 26 minutes away from 7am this morning 23rd of December put this in if you're going Christmas shopping today get it in your ears with your earpods get into Sylvia Park wherever Tony Kemp's a frequent flyer and and just (laughs) smash it out just inspire yourself run for it run from the shops run from Auckland City wherever you are around New Zealand it's crazy around here too at the moment Ponsonby Road yesterday Honestly, no one's decided to go out or head north or head south. Everyone's decided to have uh, their Christmas Day here in Auckland. So if you're travelling up through the the city centre today, uh, travel by feet, don't travel by car. And I'm sure it's like that wherever you are, although... Around the country, you're probably thinking, oh, it's good to hear that the, the, the Jaffers aren't coming to invade. They will. Don't worry. Uh, got a text here. Morning, fellas. Looking forward to the weekend. Don't forget about the South Boxing Day. I think Eptimum... At place odds, at a lightweight is a nice race seven chance. Tougher, but ran very well at Cromwell. Have a good one. Cheers, Mike. Mike, appreciate your text, mate. We won't forget about Winger Tui Boxing Day. Yeah, got a lightweight on him, carrying 53 kilograms. Brandon, mate, paying 11s and 3s currently, 350s. That'll be that'll be short after what you just said, Louis. Australia, Ex-Australian sprinter, that um, that horse with the win last last start. So There we go. That's, that's some mail. Really nice mail. Coming through there on the text line from Mike. Uh, as we said, Kempe, 
There are the Boxing Day races. Let's start with the big one. Let's let's work our way backwards. Zabil Classic. The Cambridge Stud Zabil Classic, which last year, it's weight for age, it's 2,000 metres. It's kind of like at Ellerslie, um, oh, it's over the, the iconic distance of 2,000 metres, not quite 2050 like the Cox Plate, but there's some really nice horses that have turned up in this field. You've got Sound, who's come back from Australia after winning the Zipping Classic. This will probably not be the target, I would suspect. It's run second and a third in an Auckland Cup, so I think they'll probably be getting back there. But the way it ran in the Zipping Classic is a... You know, an indicator that it can sprint. Tiptronic, this horse loves summer. Really interesting article in the New Zealand Herald. Richie, who's one of, uh, who's Baz's neighbour actually, uh, was saying to the New Zealand Herald, Mickey G, that in summer, Tiptronic becomes a different horse. So the form hasn't been terrible this time in and does, doesn't mind Allersley. 15 starts for three wins, a truckload of placings. Demonetization for Nigel Tiley and Sammy Weatherly. It's been running well. It's been in kind of career form two starts back. Rain would help. That's what they, the bookies are saying, and, and that makes sense. But again, no zealously like the back of its hand. Pre-defer, Kempe. Talk to me about pre-defer. Oh, good mate of mine's... Um Thought he'd jump into that horse, actually. He's in, in, in quite a serious way. Um, Bucket Thompson from Taranaki. Mike Thompson played for uh, Western Suburbs when I was a kid down there. Um, played Taranaki team together. Me and, me and Mike came up here. He ended up coming up here and playing for City Newton, I think. And and should he would have been a Kiwi at the time, uh, just behind Brent Todd and Brent oh, Stewart. Wow. Yeah, he was a very, very tough, tough front row. Um, but he's a, he's, a, he's a part owner of, of Press the Ver and... I've been very unlucky. I've been texting, uh, you know, we were running down in Wellington. Our horse was running against Prince de Vere and he sent me a text saying, I hope you run a really close second um, in the race. We're just having a bit of banter, but you've been very unlucky. I think it's 10 Group 1 finishes in, in the place money. Um, just can't get it across the line, but wow. again, they throw Opie on it um, on Sunday. I, th- I think it's a decent place bet. I think it's a decent place bet. $8.270 is your quote you're getting. The sticky draw 12, but you kind of get Opie on, so you skim that into about nine. He'll, he'll work his magic. Uh, pre deferred. The good thing, good thing about pre deferred is extremely um, consistent. Consistent and malleable. That's not the word I'm looking for, but very easy to position, whether it jumps and can get it or you can kind of ride it a little bit colder. Um, yeah, you can kind of do it. I think, want. well, I text Bucket. I said if he jumps in the Captain Cook, I think he wins it. You know, but he missed, he missed the start by a couple of lengths and and flew home. And I just thought, you know, if, he, right. if he got out of the gates a little bit You're better, right. he probably wins it. You're right, he did in the Captain Cook. And he had to get scrubbed his ears off to get back into a position. And then he did fly home, so he lost a wee bit. Um, so the natural – the other thing is he's not going to mind the distance. I think – the Savabile, he has run, he's placed here before, we know, uh, in a Group 1, right, in the Livermore Classic. So he'll, he won't mind that. Royal Performer, remember the horse that knocked off Melody Bell on the Herbie Dyke? Yeah, Royal Performer ran a real good race at uh, Ellerslie last time, didn't run a place, but knows the track. Jen, Jenny and Bob Vance, they'll have it ready. Vernon Me for uh, Marshy's a progressive typing stayer. I don't know whether he wants more than this or it's not quite the distance from Cheval Promoteur. These are wider in the market. Harlick. I wanted to back Harlick, but from Barrier 13. Look, Nabber is Michael McNabb is riding out of his skin at the moment. You're getting 17s and $4.80. It might be a top four bet for me. Again, running home strong. I think it'll enjoy the distance. More of a step up. Harlick, it's just it deserves another horse that really deserves that group one. 
on the rocks, uh, the stable made of Harlech and sound. Probably not the race for it today, to be honest. Still going around seven-year-olds now. I'm actually surprised it's only seven. It feels like it's been around forever. This is an interesting runner, Kempi. Aegon, barrier four with the king at Ellerslie, Lee Thinnis in on the saddle. How do you evaluate Aegon? Well, I think you evaluate Leith um, with Leith right on two illicit at the last start. I think, you know, jumping back on onto Aegon, you've got to give it a chance. You know, it's drawn well. Um, it's like its Australian form was so confusing. So last start, it was almost like D-Day, but then it kind of got squeezed up on the inside and didn't even get a clean run at them. So again, it's kind of, you just, it was another shrug. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, Leith's biting at the bit too at the moment too, you know, mm. having spent so much time off and then back into riding. Um, it is a good horse. Yeah, I, whether whether he's good enough to come back and win this one, I, I think to elicit... Um, he probably probably kicking himself that he wasn't still on that one. Yeah, to elicit the spot that Danielle Johnson got to elicit in and the Captain Cook was incredible. Uh, we've no how's this for course stats? Six starts at Ellsley, four wins, two place at two seconds. It's loves the two thousand meter distance. You're getting two dollar seventy, a dollar forty for me. Concert Hall at four fifty, a dollar ninety. That's the one you like. I like it. Just the smidge extra price than to elicit, and I think it's Got it's racing better than Aegon. It's got more confidence. Look, the difference is Ryan Alley at the wider draw. Would I rather have Leith in the inside and the barrier four? Of course I would. It's it's an interesting proposition. House of Karsia and communicate around off uh, that did him run a scratched it out last week. Brought it up. Can run a cheeky top four or a place. That is the most exciting race of the weekend for me. Um, the Zabil Classic at Ellerslie, race number nine. It's group one, wait for age. This is as good as it gets. Can't wait to hook into this and talk about it more as the week goes on. Tomorrow, Kempi as well, and later through the show. Right now, 0800 150 811. It's time for Quizzy Dad. Come on, take on the Quizmaster, not quite the Ismaster. Kempi is champing at the bit. Loveracing.nz. Make sure you head up to loveracing.nz slash ownership. Get involved. There's this 10% share going. Training fees for two years. Fantastic promotion. Go check it out. Time for Quizzy Dad. Quizzy Dag with Ashley and Martin. Regrow your hair. Search Ashley and Martin today. You know what time it is. It's Quizzy Dag. A quiz that keeps on giving like a skip at bass. Louis, Trudy, Kez and Joe not wants to brag. But good luck to our quizzies because the ain't in the bag. 0800 150 811 now give it a go oh yes I love it I love it I'm going home I can't get that out of my head you know that thanks Izzy (laughs) you don't forget the number 0800 Izzy Dag (laughs) (laughs) alright Kempi who do we have up yeah mate let's go for the uh, the quiz this morning we've got um, Tim from Christchurch Tim how you going mate Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Here's the first question, mate. FIFA proposed holding the World Cup how often? Biennial. Correct. Every two years. Good man. Good <laughs> man. I like that. Yeah, I like the way, yeah, I had to look at Louis then just to get the nod. <laughs> Jeez, he's throwing me up there. It's too early in the morning, mate. Just give some, give it easy, a little bit easier next time, mate. Let's go to uh, oh, question number two. Who, made, who was made CEO of the New Zealand Olympic Committee? Named yesterday. Uh, her name? Her and name, yep, it's not on the internet. Nicky Nicole. You got it, brother, yeah, you got it. 
All right, uh, question number three. Which Canadian F1 driver reportedly received death threats after his crash in the final of the Drivers' Championship? I thought that was a hard one. Um, his name from Haas. <laughs> Nicholas Latiti. Le- yeah, mate. There you go. <laughs> On fire. Good fingers. Nice and quick. Who is the current world darts champion? Five. Played for the Warriors. Four. Three. No. Ooh. I gave away big tip then. How you going there, Brenton? You yeah, mate. You there, mate? Okay, here we go. Yeah, question, question number four. Who's the current world darts champion? Bryce. Gerwin Bryce. Got it, brother. Well done. And the money question in 2002, David Beckham raised the roof by scoring a free kick to send England to the FIFA World Cup. Which nation did he score that against? Oh, I'm going to go... Belgium. Unlucky, brother. Let's go to Simon. Simon. Simon, here you go, mate. Always Simon. You hear the question, David Beckham. He's he's scoring that free kick to send England to the FIFA World Cup. Who did he score that against? Of course it was Chris. Simon. If it's not Richie, it's Simon. If it's not Simon, it's Brenton. If it's not Brenton, it's Richie. Mate, a good time to to get that money too for the bet. You'll hear some good multis coming up. Don't worry about that. Yeah, you'll hear some loose multis. So just just think carefully. Punt responsibly, Simon. Happy Christmas, mate. You, You and the family are well. Looking forward to a big Christmas period. Yeah, mate. Oh, pretty. I'm staying up in Auckland this year, so just pretty quiet, eh? Just a few days off work and kick back. I reckon most of the Aucklanders are staying up in Auckland this year. It doesn't feel like anyone's yeah. left the city. Is that your whereabouts are you? Have you felt that there's lots of people around? Yeah, because I'm I'm on the roads all the time, and gee, it was manic yesterday. It's just like, yeah, it seems like everyone's still here. Yeah. yeah. What's your favourite? What's your best for the weekend? Um. Horse-wise, or horse-wise, yeah. I don't, I don't, oh, anything, don't tell but... yeah, whatever you got. <laughs> oh, I've, I've got, a, I've got, I've got one at the harness today, just a real bolter. Um, oh. Horse called Storm. Each way, it's, I think it's sort of a late race today at Ashburton. Storm each way. Be the last. I'll get the forensics. I'll get the forensics onto it. Where's that mail from? It's from me. Ah, <laughs> 17s and $4.50. Super Simon, they call it. Race number 11, Storm. <laughs> yeah. Craig Thornley does the driving. Third time's a charm. Yeah. All right, so, mate, yeah. pre- appreciate it, mate. Happy Christmas. Cheers, mate. There you go, Simon. He's a uh, frequent flyer on the Quizzy Dag, and he knows his sports knowledge, mate. There we go. Quizzy Dag, thanks to Ashley and Martin. Not happy with your hair loss. Get involved, Ashley and Martin, and uh, they'll sort you out. We've got Trudy's World. Up after this, quick addition, smash and grab, Trudy not far away. Morning guys, yes it's Trudy's World and today, well it's our Blimmin' Mad Hero of the Week segment and it is going to our Louie, working punishing brekkie hours, never has a day off, just a couple of days before Christmas, moves house. Louis, you're a blimmin' legend, mate, so I thought I'd give you some interesting moving facts. Did you know that we uh, move, on average, 11 times in our lifetime? Typical household move contains about 15 tonnes of movable items, so you'll be sore today. Um, Moving is the third most stressful event in your life. (laughs) 
What's renters, the other two? What's the other two? Um, renters move more than owners. I don't know. Oh, weddings, weddings, yeah. and maybe the. Oh, I can't yeah, say the, that. Yeah, the D word. Yeah. Uh, renters move more than owners, so it's time you and Shan bought a house. And half oh, yeah. of all moves happen Simple. between May and September, not Lemon, December the 23rd. Trudy, I um, <laughs> I can promise you I won't be moving 11 times in my life. I I, I can promise you that that's not going to happen. I oh. hate it. It is the wor- absolute worst. I've woken up this morning. I felt like I've had to run it straight at Tony Kemp in his heyday. I'm so sore. I'm so stressed out. The only good thing about moving is at the end of the day when you finish your shift and you crack your first cold hazy and then you get your Uber Eats up and you deliver yourself some... <laughs> what do we have? For? Well, wishing you and Shan the best in your new digs, man. Oh, thanks, Trudy. We have to get you around for a vino, maybe a rosé. Um, there we go. Trudy Nelson, she's not far away with the news for Kubota. Together we'll be shaping and building New Zealand. Here's a text. No Patel is a joke. He's seven wickets away from 50 wickets, and if he did it in his next match, he will retire Jameson for the fastest to 50. No other team in the world would leave out a player like Ajaz. Just look at his stats. They are world-class. Scott. I tend to agree, Scotty. Appreciate your passion on double eight double three oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven Sakinat's our phone line. Ajaz Patel out of the test squad to play Bangladesh. You're shocked. You're disappointed. Does it make sense? Get in touch with us right now. It's the news with Trudy. I'm off to find myself a McCafe coffee. At Chemist Warehouse this Christmas, find David off hot water at 110 mil for just 34.99. Baz and Izzy, we might be at the beach, but the show goes on. It's the summer breakfast on SENZ. Welcome back into the summer breakfast this morning. It is 23rd of December, two days out from Christmas. The kids will be absolutely fizzing this morning. You'll be waking up and uh, you'll be looking forward to knocking off work if you haven't already. Or if you have, you're probably still asleep and you, you've got your alarm set for SNZ, so you'll hear uh, my dulcet tones and, and those of Tony Kemp's to get you through to 10am this morning before Stephen McIver takes over. Plenty to come. We had a good chat about the Zabil Classic. The markets are open. Oh, it's exciting. It's a very good Group 1 race. Uh, it's a much deeper race than it was last year. The, the, the markets are open around the country this morning for Awapuni, Wingatui and Ellerslie on Sunday. And it's very exciting because uh, the Boxing Day races are about as special as they get. We've been talking about Ajaz Patel, Kimpi, and uh, Alan Sharrick. Your old sparring partner, your old mentor. Is that what he do? do you reckon he'd call you his, he'd say, oh, I'm, I'm Kempi's mentor? Oh, I can't wait till he gets on and hear what he's going to call me. It won't be mentor. He might say mental. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what, we'll see what Alan's got. Um, we'll ask him about his trip to Awapuni on Saturday. But we've been talking about Ajaz Patel before then, and I just want to let people know why. The, uh, Bangladesh, Bangladesh is coming. They might be here. They will be here. Of course they'll be here. Uh, We've got the Test Series starting on New Year's Day, and the Test Squad was named overnight. The Test Squad was named overnight. Tom Latham, Tom Blundell, Trent Bolt, Devin Conway, Matt Henry, Cole Jamieson, Daryl Mitchell, Henry Nichols, Rachin Ravindra, Tim Southey, Ross Taylor, Neil Wagner, Will Young. 
you'll notice that there is a name missing from that list. And you'll notice it's the same bloke that took 10 wickets. We've got another text here from Jamie Kempe. It's been passionate response this morning. Yeah, Jamie here says, it, it, uh, I get it that our pitch is unlikely to assist Patel, but I still can't believe he's not on the team after his ma- massive effort in the last game. Not not massive, Herculean. You know what I mean? Taking 10 wickets. And, and I've been saying all week that, you know, if it's someone like Richard Hadley, Taking ten wickets, we you know it's written up in folklore. You get a bronze statue outside of every cricket stadium in New Zealand. But um, for some reason, uh, Patel finds himself not only out of the team uh, at a time when I think you know it's a, a perfect time to keep someone in their squad. Um, but everyone, everyone that's sort of looking into the New Zealand cricket team, saying why did he miss out? There's a, there's a, that's a great question, and there'll be fans that'll be wondering it. I'm sure maybe opposition players will be wondering it. I'll tell you who will be wondering it. It'll be AJ Patel. I can only hope that the communication has been very clear to him. I think he's a wonderful player. I think he's a masterful player. I don't think it's a hot take. I think there'll be people that would have argued for a long time that he should have been playing in these home tests, regardless if he took 10 wickets or not. But that's the point. He's missed out, and uh, we'll wade through what that means. Double eight, double three. send us a text. Are you surprised? Are you shocked? Are you disappointed? Whatever the case may be. All right, let's bounce along. Um, down there in the Taranaki, your home region, Kempe, where you grew up, out there mucking out boxes, no doubt, just doing all the hard yards at the track. <laughs> don't, maybe, don't get him started, mate. He's maybe, listening. Maybe track work riding, early hours, <laughs> just slaving it away. Tony Kemp, your old mate, Alan Sherrick's on the line. Morning, Al. Hey, Louie, I hope you're not talking about Kempe doing that. We did that. He was running around with a ponytail down to his bottom, mate, playing league. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah. yeah, I do I do remember that trip down to Whanganui, Al, where, where Tezza threw those hay bales around and I nearly broke my ankle. <laughs> <laughs> mate, you haven't told Louis about the chartreuse either, eh, Mac? Nah, yeah. mate, I haven't told Louis about any of those drinking trips, Alan. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll leave that to the imagination, Louis. How are you, Tony? All right? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How did you go yesterday? Uh, two were shin sore and they went real good. Uh, the both horses to watch, the two-year-old run third, and Stevie Nix is going to develop into a lovely silly too. She ran fifth. And the one in the last, would be hard to beat on Monday. It ran third, so up to 2,000 metres, it'll be a chance on the 27th. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And you've got our filly running on Sunday in Cinerama. Does she get out of the gates out this weekend or not? Well, maybe she needs to talk to you, Max. She likes sort of staying and giving them a start. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but if she didn't perform well enough on uh, Boxing Day, she'll be retired. Mac and we'll, we'll go to the Stallion next year, so... Uh, it's in the lap of her God at this stage, but she's worked super. But um, yeah, she's got that funny habit, mate, that we're struggling to break. To be honest, mate, I haven't asked you the question. Oh, this is this is a true story too, Louis. I haven't asked you a question, but what's it like having a Philadelphia lawyer, your brother, as your <laughs> boss of the racing game in New Zealand now? Well, I said to the boys at the Gap this morning uh, a few issues in racing, and I hope that we're sort of not in an intoxicated state on the 28th, because I, I could see me and him having an argument, uh, Tony, to be honest. There's a few things I'd like to see sorted out, but um, yeah, let's hope we don't get to that stage, mate. Just, uh, on all those trips, Mac, we've never come to blows, but 
starting to annoy me some of the things that are going on, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, here you are, Alan. So just for context, um, Bruce Sherrick, this new COO of NZ Thoroughbred Racing, uh, another, well, you know, obviously the great mate of yours, Kempe, and uh, Alan's brother. Is she on that, Alan? I don't know if you've seen the the press release or what's come to following that Trentham debacle, but there's a bunch of stuff we'll go through later in the show. I won't bore you with it, mate. I'm more curious yeah. about how your team's been travelling through the summer months. I mean, you're pretty versatile. A lot of yours go well on the wetter tracks as well, but do you have to change much when it comes into the warmer months or it's just routine by now? Um, you, you, you're probably anaerobically you back on from a bit, Louis. Like firmer ground, they don't need the, the attrition in the hard yards like they do in heavy ground. So um, you come back off the pedal a wee bit, but... Um, yeah, the likes of Waitaki and Al Hale Mary, they're tracking well towards the Wellington Cup. Um, Darcy LaBella, she's going super. Frodo went well the other day. Robbie's knee was too good for him on that day. So, yeah, we got some nice horses sticking on pretty good, Louis. All right. So Frodo was, he's been a, well, he's not an enigma, but I guess he kind of became one of the real consistent bets over the last 18 months. Anything gone wrong, or he's just not kind of come up the oh, way you'd expect? We, no, nah, we found issues in his back, Louis, and, and uh, he was he was injected by the vet. Um, Tommy Burns was a great help. Um, yeah, he's had his issues, mate. He's, he's, he's why he's called Frodo. He's not the he's like an equine sausage dog, so he's probably structurally not not the perfect individual. You know what I mean? So mm. um, yeah, we've had a few issues, Louis, but you know. For a horse that's probably 15 hands and with a sway back, he's done a pretty good job, mate. I think he's pushing 400,000. So yeah, he's been a good stable rep, mate. Yeah. Hey, Al, you've had some you've had some good apprentices. Um, you've got another one in Hazel that picked up the title this year. What just what is it, mate? What's the one thing that uh, an apprentice um, and that you've found out over the years? Yeah, you know, even Scotty when he was doing the jumps, um, yeah. that they really need to to nail. Uh, to to sort of get those get those um, those wins those high awards that you seem to just get year after year with the apprentices. What's that one thing? You've known me long enough, Mac. It's uh, dedication, work ethic, and my biggest bugbear is the ability to drop their error rate. If they ride with a high error rate, they never get to the level that I'd like to see them at. So I'm quite critical on. Um, the percentages, like getting the right run in the race, going at the right time, doing it right. That's the most important thing for me. So, you know, the video analysis with, with all the kids, Matt, Michael, even right back to Fletch. We didn't have videos in those days. We just kicked them up the bum. Nowadays you can't do that. But, um, <laughs> you know, hey, Debbie, and she's done a great job, mate. She works hard at her weight. She, she's very unfortunate with her weight. But I don't have to tell Hazel too much now. Um you know, her error rate is, is pretty low. Normally she's uh, riding at 70% good rides and maybe 30 the other way or 80-20. But, um, you know, when you start doing 50-50s and it's hit and miss, it becomes very, very hard for a mentor and people to put you on. So I think just dropping the error rate, no different to your league, mate. You've got to bat up and get your processes right. And that makes you a better player and it makes you a better rider if you can execute, you know. How have you found uh, dealing with the different generations as I've come through, Alan? Like 2021, I'm sure an apprentice... Don't get him started. 
Well, no, I'm serious. Like dealing with nah. young, it's more of a question about young athletes in general. 2021, like rookies in whatever sport coming through, they're a completely different breed to what they would have been in the 90s, right? Have you found that you've, you've had to change your approach to get through to them? Yeah. Yeah, massively frustrating to a degree, mate. Um, and, and you've had to, I've had to soften. I, I believe the world is softened. You know, we've become more PC, Louis. I'm not, I'm not being disrespectful to society now, but there's been a total flip round. And um, don't worry, Bruce is always at me that uh, you know it wasn't how it was when Dad was bringing us up when Kempi and Bruce were running together, and we were, Dad was booting our bums. You know, what I mean, it's all changed, mate. Uh, um, but that's life in general, Louie. If you don't change with the times, well, you fall out of it, don't you? So I, I still think my apprentices know that I'm a hard taskmaster. But the likes of Hazel and the later ones, they've had it pretty easy compared to Michael and Matt, you know, when they were back in that era where, you know, you, you demanded respect and you demanded work ethic. And, and those boys all got through, you know. They, they did well and... I've continued to do well, and I'm very proud of them still to this day. So, you know, I, I still hear from Michael once a month, and uh, we laugh and joke about things, and, yeah, we've got a good rapport. But, yeah, society has changed, boys. It has, and, um, you know, I, I would say even Kempe's game and rugby, it's not like it used to be, mate. It, it's changed quite a bit. It has, it has, Alan. Don't you ever change, don't you ever change mate? Hey, so we, we're tell, talking to the punters about a winner, and on Sunday you got a good one in Darcy LaBella. Um, I reckon that's the lay of the, lay of the weekend. What do you reckon? Well, I'd be a bit careful with their boys, because uh, one, she's drawn eight. Two, I haven't got a suitable rider, and I see the TRD have put her out to a particularly doubtful starter. Um, on Sunday at New Plymouth, I like a Lambra lad. In the 74-1800, he went big last start. And I've got a mate in it that they uh, jumped out of trees to back and she's come on from that race, show us more the Schwarzier filly. So if she draws an alley on Sunday, she'll be very hard to beat. So, um, yeah, that two to watch for, for Monday anyway. And then I think uh, you're down with us, Tony, and we'll have our eventful trip with the boys, of which you'll probably struggle with with my brother. But, um, you know, you've got to be hardened to that, boys, and sometimes you just got to stretch your heart a little bit. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't struggle as um, as much as the the, uh, no, the CAO, right. but as we speak, I would think. Yeah, yeah it's the 29th too, just quietly. <laughs> no, the 29th's your day. We're having to go the 28th, and then we'll finish you on the 29th. So that's all right, Matt. <laughs> Two day affair. Hey, uh, Al, just quickly before I let you go, Waisaki. Uh, what a wonderful horse he's been, and Seamus too. I'd be very interested to know what their targets are and how they're travelling. Yeah, Seamus will run in the Wellington Guineas, Louis, next start. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not being disrespectful. He hasn't beaten a lot yet, but he's a very, very progressive horse. Got a great attitude, big, strong animal. 1,400 at Wellington, I hold no fear for him. I will pay a late on to the Bayer. Um, whether I can get to a mile and a half with a with a horse by Shang, Sham Express out of a pair in Canto Mare, I'd I'd probably have to get changed in the telephone box. I'd have to be Superman. <laughs> so I'm a little bit cautious there, Louis. Um, but he he's come through his race super. I'm just hacking him around this week, and he's as bright as a button. But he's a lovely, lovely animal. Waisaki's still tracking well. Um, 
it's about getting him right for the right race. Um, he'll run on the Azure for long in the Cup next start. Then uh, the Trenton Stakes, and that's two weeks out from the Wellington Cup, and I still think I'm right on target with him, uh, contrary to his form. But, Louis, you can't win every race or else you get to the Cup with 62 kilos and you can't win anyway. So uh, my syndicate knows how we're tracking and I'm very happy with him at this stage. Yeah, and they're also telling me that you're making the best sausages in all of Taranaki these days. I'm making the best what? Sausages. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't worry about that, mate. We've got a butcher out watcher. But um, what's in the sausages is the MB. You know, it's all sorts of products going. No sausages. I'm currently back on the radio, my friend. Okay, that's your secret, <laughs> your secret recipe. Hey, thanks for joining us, Al. <laughs> Nah, good as going, boys. Have a good morning. See you yeah. soon, mate. Bye, boy. I don't know. Bye. I don't know if it's true or not, but allegedly he's got the best sausages going around. So <laughs> I'm not even going to comment on that. All right. I'm not even going to comment on that. But you know, the the, the one word that um, really sums up Alan Shirk is resilience, mate. You know, he's. It's really hard for him to to sort of change with the ages because what you see is what you get with Alan. He yeah. spoke about that the other day, but that's the beauty of the man. Like the beauty of the man is that you 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 get what you what you see since you've since you've been a kid. Um, well, he's a masterful trainer, striking at under five, Tony, and oh, he says he can't win every race as so you get too much weight. And there's just a little glimpse into the way his brain works. And the, yeah, he's very very uh, tactful, and and he is always respectful whenever I've spoken to Alan. And that's what I, you know I judge this stuff on. Interesting dynamic. His brother Bruce Sharrick, the C, uh, chief operating officer of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, and somebody um, genuinely, I think the industry is very privileged and lucky to have at their disposal at the moment. Now, off the back of that Trentham abandonment, where the track was, oh, I was a shambles. So a bit of water came on. We spoke about it ad nauseum when it happened on the Monday. Track too firm. A bit of water came. It meant that it was an ice skating rink. Now, people like Alan Sharrick and Roger James, this was for Captain Cook Day, had told the club and had expressed concerns to New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing. They still had to, everyone went to Wellington, um, massive cost waste and, and for owners and just a total disappointment on the day. New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing has, well, they've uh, commissioned it, they've done a report into this, they've done an ind um, report into making sure that this doesn't or what they can take from it and here are some actions that they have taken out and they've sent this out and it's a uh, pretty detailed I'm pretty impressed at the speed they've done this the actions will, the key here is to make sure they follow through so a couple of them I'll, I'll cherry pick New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing to review and update the track preparation policy and abandonment protocols by the end of January 2022 so that'll be an easy one to follow up uh, New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing to determine uh, with consultation with the clubs an investment plan for cha- track equipment and resources for the next three years by the end of March 2022. This is a key one because we can't make these tracks safe if the clubs literally don't have the resource to do it. That is very important. I'm going to skip a few down here. And I think one of the most uh, important pieces that came out of this at the time was that the industry participants felt like they hadn't been listened to. Jockeys are at the at the track looking at it going, we don't want to ride on this. Alan Sherrick and Roger James are telling the club and New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, we don't think this is going to be safe. So New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, in, consult- in consultation with the Racing Integrity Board and clubs, are to determine a process to manage queries, concerns for, from participants before and after each race meeting by the end of January 2022. 
And New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing to implement a reporting and action framework for clubs to notify track performance issues during race meetings by the end of January 2022. So to me, that tells, well, to, it tells me that they're listening. They're listening that the industry participants were frustrated that their concerns fell on deaf ears. And I was really pleased to see that come through yesterday from Bernard Bruce and the team at NZTR. So the key will be making sure these actions are gone through, but it's a good start, Kempi. Yeah, look, and I think um, knowing Bruce the way that I do, and, and it's not just racing, I think sport in general um, needs to move away from the old way of thinking. You know what I mean? Like how we used to do things 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and they need to come and not just bring, you know, you're talking you're talking to Jamie Richards about stakes money, for instance, and how you're keeping trainers and, and, and enticing owners um, and people to purchase horses. But you also have to look right down to the bottom of the, of the, um, the rung of, of like people that prepare tracks. Like how do you do that to the best of your ability? What sort of, re- you're talking resource and capability, mm-hmm. what sort of resource and capability do you put into them because if you're talking diamonds at the top Jamie Richards and you're talking rocks at the bottom in the middle you have the problem yes does that make sense it does so you've got to talk diamonds at both ends and you have to fix the issues and one of the biggest issues and we see this with all the racetracks around the country and again we talked to um, Paul about this the other day is that the centres should be the centres for racing they should move all of our best trainers into a centre and have them ra- have them racing on rig because you're bringing diamonds with diamonds, you know what I mean? Consolidate and and if you can consolidate the resource in the and we've got a wonderful resource in all this land around the country, um, and bring that capability that that cash it's injection into the sport that actually grows the sport, done it. You know, you take away the the old way of thinking like, no, nah, no, nah, you've got to come down here to Harwater, mate. Do you sound, you sound, you're sounding dangerously like John Massaro. We could have commissioned a report into all this stuff a few years ago. <laughs> oh, you know, I just, man, it's, but it's not just racing. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? It's not just racing. Well, um, we had the point made to us, and we've got to shoot off, we've got to shoot off. I'm, I'm watching the time, boys, don't freak out. Um, we, had this, we had the point made to us. How many United clubs do you see, sports clubs, Around New Zealand, you know, whether it be um, well, you know, UMS. I'll tell you the biggest problem in my hometown. Yep. So Waitara, we had a we had a rugby club, a rugby league club, a bowling club, a softball club, a cricket club, a soccer club, a swimming pool. You know what I mean? So we had a swimming club, and we had a club, a club, a club, a club, a club. And the reason we had that because we had industry. We had Subaru, we had Swan Dry, we had sure. Borthwicks, we had Teagle, we had Mutanui, we had Methanex. So all of the money from industry was coming in and giving it to the sports community and saying, "Build yourself a club." Well, guess what? Industry's gone, and all these clubs are dead because there's no money coming in. What needs to happen around the country is amalgamation. You need to amalgamate. It's not just racing. So if you want to have a club, have a hub. So what did a rugby league club? What did a rugby club? What did a rugby league nipple club? What did a rugby league athletics club? All in the same club. All the same people, all the same money, keeping the club going. Let us know, double eight, double three. What are the best amalgamations of club levels around the country? You know, UMS, I'm thinking of Mudder Mudder. Uh, what are the best versions of this? Amalgamations or Uniteds? We would love to hear from you. 24 minutes past seven o'clock. This is the Summer Breakfast on SCNZ. We're here with Chemist Warehouse. Great to catch up with Al Sharrick. Great savings every day. It is 29 minutes past 7 o'clock this morning. Great to catch up with Alan Sharrick and hear some yarns from when Tony was back in the day. Uh, what, what was he calling you Mac for? What was that about? Well, the, the, only, um, the, only, well, the only person down there in Waitara that calls me Tony is my mother. 
Um, everyone down there knows me as Mac, but when I was a young fellow, um, they, well, my nickname used to be Smack because my old man used to smack me all the time. I was a cheeky little bugger. <laughs> and the boys just shortened it up and said it's probably probably <laughs> – Probably you're starting to look like a Mac truck, so we'll call you Mac. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, Alan, the only time he calls me Tony is when he's pissed off. So he'll say, Tony, and I know, yep, okay, I've done something wrong here, you know. Oh, great to catch up with Alan. Um, he's in good spirits at this time of year. Lots of nice chances over the Christmas period. Watch that, Alan Sherrick stable. Um, interesting text here, Kempi, just talking about amalgamation. Yeah, Taranaki, Partia, um Great little spot down there, Partia, amalgamating rugby league, netball, squash, tennis, and golf. Um, I hate to laugh at the last, but the only biggest problem is splitting the bar takers. If that's your biggest problem, um, you know, that's a great problem to have. But I think that's the way that you need to look at Clubland uh, at the moment. It's really hard because what you've got are you've got all these people that just have been there for donkeys, donkeys years, and they will never, ever think about joining clubs up. But if we are really to survive the next 20, 30 years, then it's our kids that need to pull together and 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 probably say, look, this club needs to go and we all need to be operating out of this one room. And, yeah, and with this this conversation started in racing, but you quickly made the point that this is about all sports and uh, through provinces and regions. And racing's the, but is, the I think, the worst for small-mindedness with this stuff. Be more like Paul Wilcox. Don't be afraid of change. Happily merge Pukakoi and Ellerslie, counties in Auckland. and Avondale. Uh, well, no, they haven't. But, but, but you know, but I'm talking... Just look at the assets, you know well, what I mean? If, well, imagine if they had. You know, so, it's for me, I, I can't see the, the sense in not talking about what Paul has created at the um, the at Ellerslie. Yeah, you know Auckland I mean? Thoroughbred Racing. This new entity, it should be a model, and, and I think you could look at it from, you know, Parterre and, and the smaller ones. Double eight, double three, or 0800 150 in the Kennard's High phone line. Who else has done what Partia has and, and merged their netball, squash, tennis, golf, rugby, rugby league, football, whatever it is? I want some nominations, Double eight, double three, And also want to keep talking about Ajaz Patel. We'll do some more of that after the news with Trudy for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Spend my days with a woman and kind Smoke my stuff and drink All my wine Made up my mind Make a new start Going California with an aching In my heart Welcome back into the summer breakfast. If you're travelling this morning around the country, drive safe. Uh, Christmas time, what a wonderful period it is, 23rd of December. This would be one of my favourite road trip songs, Kempi going to California. Lovely, soothing, dulcet tones and just that distinct Led Zeppelin sound. Yeah, it'll get a, it'll get a run on the 29th too, going around the mountain um, with all the boys. Alan looking for his victims, as you could hear. Yeah, he's hunting. Lining us all up. Oh, he's on the hunt. Don't worry about that. Um... Yeah, chuck on going to California. It makes the drive lovely. Wherever you are around New Zealand, and get in touch with us, double eight, double three. I want to know which clubs around New Zealand have done a super job at amalgamating to survive. Here's a couple of quick sports stories before we come back with, uh, well, your area of specialty, Kempi, the Warriors. Um, Novak Djokovic, lots of conjecture about whether he's actually vaccinated. This is going to be a very interesting process to watch whether he can get an exemption to get into Melbourne to play in the Australian Open. 
This is what his father said on Serbian TV. They have to decide whether they will let Novak in. If they decide to not let him in, they have to stand by their decision. He has won the Australian Open nine times. Now he wants to play, but they have to permit him to play. Novak will do what he thinks is best for him. Nobody will impose an opinion on him. That drops the hints that he isn't actually vaccinated, which has been a bit of conjecture. It's interesting with these guys like Aaron Rodgers and Novak Djokovic. They're very cagey about their vaccination status, which is fine, except they get paid millions of dollars, and it's not anyone's right, I don't think, to know, but I don't know why they're so strangely... They're not very forthcoming with this information, which seems pertinent to the situation. So, sounds like bowl accounts, though. He's not, and that's an interesting one to watch going forward. The other one, COVID-related, we've spoken about it heaps this week. The EPL, the English Premier League, well, it's ravaged at the moment. And there's something like 16% of their players that don't even have the first dose of the vaccination, which is relatively concerning. Um, and what they're going to have to do now over this busy Christmas period is play a lot of games very short-handed. So Jordan Henderson is the Liverpool captain. He's come out and said, I don't think people can appreciate how intense it is until actually you see it firsthand. Football to us is everything. We want to be able to perform at the highest level every time we set foot on the pitch. And unfortunately, this period is difficult to do that. That has been like this for a few years now, and it's even been more difficult. But then on top of that, you chuck in COVID and it becomes even harder and even worse. Uh, Teams like Liverpool, they're going to have, I think they've got six games in two weeks. Then you've got the scratchings of players that have contracted COVID and that can't play because of their vaccination status, I think the player welfare conversation is one you're going to hear a lot more of moving forward. And we might even listen to Stephen Gerrard and Mikel Arteta, two English Premier League managers, about their concerns on that later on this morning. So that's what's going on around the world as far as COVID's concerned. Kempi, one thing we haven't got stuck into this week yet is the upcoming NRL season and uh, our... Warriors, well, Auckland's Warriors or New Zealand's Warriors, depending who you ask. Redcliffe's Warriors. Redcliffe's Warriors. You're a Knights tragic, right? Oh, well, of course. Mm. You know, I went over there on the rookie scheme back in, what was it, 88. Um, yeah, got, you know, I thought I was going to actually end up living there. And it was my trip back from uh, the UK when I got a phone call from Ridgie to come back and coach the Warriors. At, uh, yeah, my second tragic is the Warriors. And a lot of people that, that listen to my comments about the Warriors, they get annoyed because they're real diehard Warrior fans and can't really see past their noses in and around um, what some of the issues are with the Warriors. But if, you know, you want to listen to, to, to happy Warriors commentators, then I'm not the bloke to listen to. Um, I'd just like to t- talk about my opinion and where I think some of the problems are. And you know, if you if you you follow my comments in and around the Warriors, they're they're based on a on a heap of I guess experience. Um, everyone always goes to my coaching record. Geez, you know, if I could, I, I don't know how many times I'm going to say it. If I had my time again, I wouldn't have taken that job. <laughs> I was 34. I knew I wasn't going to get another another shot, at another club at the time, and I got offered a first grade job. And the advice I got was to take the role. So I wouldn't, you know, knowing what I know now as a 54 year old. Um, I wouldn't have taken it. I would have t- taken my time and, and plied my trade and just waited for the right time to come up. But um, it is what it is. And, and you know, it's um, it was an experience that, you know, I thank Rugby League for. It gave me, it gave me such, a, such a wonderful experience. It still does um, um, until this day. But, you know, when we're talking Warriors, when we're talking opinion, I don't want to, I don't want to cloud people's, um, I guess, or form their opinion or educate them by giving them rubbish opinions. You know what I mean? So the current state of the Warriors is 
my personal belief on the Warriors is 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 quite a good one. Well, we're going to come back to that. Double eight, double three, but oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Kimpy's about to give his say. You can come and join us. Give us a call on the Kenard Tower phone line. You want to know what the Warriors are up to next year, or, or how Kimpy thinks they're going to go? Come have the conversation with us. Kimpy's going to weigh in after this. It'll be honest. It'll be frank. I'm looking forward to it. You're listening to the Summer Breakfast on SCNZ. We are twenty minutes away from eight this morning. Be back with you very shortly. Welcome into SCNZ, quarter to eight this morning. Tony Kemp and myself, Louis Herman Watt. We've got a Black Caps test squad for the series against Bangladesh. The omission, Ajaz Patel, uh, be obviously green surfaces. Horses for courses is the phrase Gary Stead likes to use. Are you surprised? Are you disappointed? We've had lots of messages through this morning. Keep them coming, Ajaz Patel. But right now, Kempi, where we, where we left off just before we popped out for a coffee McCafe break, um, the Warriors, mate. Yeah, but probably thought they were talking Warriors all week, but you know, there's a lot more to it than than just the Warriors and in, uh, in my sporting um, conversation. I, look, I love the Warriors. They they are a close second to the, to Newcastle, and um, watching them over over the years has has really been quite tough, uh, especially with some of the the policy in and around the club and how they've how they've moved that club or, or the lack of movement and moving forward. But, you know, under the new ownership and, and what's happening, um, we have seen them build quite a quite a good roster. I think, especially covering the middle of the park and the addition of Adda, um Fanua Blake and, you know, the, the the bigger guys that can get around the middle of the park and play plenty of minutes. Um, but there's still a problem in the side in I, you know, for the life of me, I can't see why they didn't enter the race for Brandon Smith. But it, it is in that number nine jersey, and if they seriously want to pitch for a, a top four position, and everyone knows with the way that the competition is um, lined up and how it plays out, that if you don't finish in the top four, you're not really a chance. Well, um, it's hard. It's it, nigh on impossible. Well, no one's ever won it outside the top four. You know what I mean? So it's a you know, statistics don't lie. If, if you really want to pitch for the competition, look, making the eight, you only have to win 50% of your games. So, so stats not too bad. It, it, it sounds a lot easier than it is in a competition. That's why I texted you yesterday about the rugby competition, oh, you know, the real tough competition, and these guys, it's going to be too hard for them because they're bashing each other every week. Mate, the rugby guys, it's not as if they're playing 26 NRL games a week. You know, you don't hear the NRL guys moaning about how tough it is every week. You know, and th- and that's the difference between a set- and origin games in the middle of the year. And exactly, and playing you know back in the old days, we're playing forty five games a year because you go and play a season up in England on the back of it. So, I think at the moment they've got the nucleus of a really good side, but they you know a- again their spine. They've got a young fullback in Reese Walsh. He's obviously got some 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 stuff off the field that he really needs to work on. Uh, I think they knew that when they inherited him. Um, I think bringing SJ back from Cronulla is a really good move, um, but you're going to need cover at 31. You're going to need cover. Everyone knows that. Anyone that's played the game knows that. He's, you know, he showed that last year at Cronulla. He he just could not stay on the football field. And if they don't manage his time right this year and the way that he trains, it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same year for them. You know, Sean Johnson will be in and out, um, given the given the. So do they have the, the half depth? Well, you got Cody Nikarima. I think that he possibly sits on the bench at 14 because yeah, he covers hooker and half. Um, he's great out of half. It's, he's got the speed out of dummy half. He he, he does play well on a, on the back of a tied, um, on the back of a tied defensive line. Um, but it's a bit it's a bit different these days, you know. Like like Joey said, the game the game's gone back 
in time. It hasn't gone, you know, real robotic. It's starting to go back where guys need to play on what they what they see in in front of them. Um, and have they got the depth? Well, you know, Harris Tavita, I think, is another kid that you you possibly could convert to nine. You know, they're talking. Oh, he's a, he's a tough kid. I can't believe that they never. But the, see, this is the mental mental games that you're playing with him. This kid. Harris Tavita has stepped up for the Warriors when he got put into that position when SJ got injured when he was here last time. Mm. And he stepped up. And he did a really, really good job. But he's been doing a really good job for them for the last three years. You know, he's 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 been very, very good. Then yet when his contract comes up, they go, go to the market. You know, it, it plays this mental space with these players. It sort of throws everybody off. So I would have just said to him, mate, you know, look, we really need you in our club, we need to pay you to keep you here and really get him to invest and buy into it. But now the guy's in two minds. He's got one, I think he's got a one-year contract in 2022 and still doesn't know whether or not he's a starting in a starting position. Kimpy, yesterday Joey said that there'd be, be five teams fighting out seven and eight and the Warriors perennially are usually in that bunch if they're having a, an all right year. Do you think that's where they are again this year? I agree with them. I agree with them 100%. Um, yeah, normally the question is, do they make the eight? Now I've, I've been calling that one, you know, um, just just on the back of that spine that they they wouldn't make the eight, you know, given that their their hooking stocks weren't that good. Um, I think they're in the I think they're in that five this year to make the eight. I, I definitely do. I think the the side that they've put together um, can make the eight, but. You've got to also remember that you go through a number of players to get you to that eighth position. And as they did, I remember talking on Radio Sport, they said, well, what do you reckon they'll make this year? And I said, look, they'll end up with Jess Devaga at hooker. They just haven't got the hooking depth. And what happened, they ended up with Jess Devaga at hooker because, again, statistics tell you that you're going to go through a number of players and you hope like hell that one of them isn't hooker. So you lose, you lose Wade Egan. You've got Channel... Uh, Harris Tavita there. You got Cody Nicarima there. You also got a young kid there called Taniola Otakolo, um, who's a, apparently a really, really good number nine coming through. But he's nineteen. And he hasn't played mm. much NRL games. So, um, is the depth there to cover that hooking space? Well, yeah, it possibly is, but it's it's still not going to get you in the four. Can I ask you this just before we head off and we'll come back and we can finish this conversation throughout later today and tomorrow as well. Nathan Brown, if you're in his spot, you've, you know that you have to be in the top four to win the competition. You also know that you're still definitely building your roster. This isn't the complete package. I'm sure he'll be the first to admit that, but they've made good steps. What will his goal be for this squad this year? Now, going into Christmas, what will he be thinking as a pass mark for himself with this current roster? Well, I think the eight, I think the pass mark for the club, bringing back Sean Johnson, all right, and um, I guess building that roster in around Hodges and, and Fanua Blake, still lacking Ali Lautiti out there on the left edge, like Kikau, I would have, again, jumped on the market for Kikau come up, you know, geez, I, I think that kid can play. Um, I think if he makes if he doesn't make the eight this year, it's a it's a real bad season for them because they're on the cusp of the eight. Yeah, you know that's that's how I feel. But knowing how the how the rosters work, he gets a couple of injuries at nine, mate. He's struggling. You know, you, you're then looking at Jess Devaga to cover the cover the holes, mate. And Jess is in a nine. 
Interesting stuff. The Warriors, for every defit tractor, there will be someone that will say, no, 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 this, this squad's contending well, that's for the, That's the beauty about the Warriors <laughs> is that they're, they're, they're diehard one-eyed fans. And, I'm, and I'm, I love that about that, man. The amount, of, the amount of people that come on the back of the conversations, you know, good on them. That's, that's, what, that's what drives the club. But, you know, the, the reality is, if you're looking at the statistics, mate, you're struggling at nine. Kim, that's Kim Pisse, 0800 Do you see it different? I mean, is the eight a pass mark? Or are you actually one of the Warriors fans that expects higher? You want high standards, and the eight would be meh, but you really want to be it continuing for a top six spot. Give us a call, 0800 150 That's the Kenatai phone line. Yeah, good stuff there, Kim. You really enjoyed that. Uh, I love when you get worked up on the Warriors, and I know you're passionate, and I know you do actually care about them, and that's why you're passionate. We'll be back soon on the Summer Breakfast, SCNZ. James has come through on double eight double three. Bang on, Kimpy. Top eight feels like par. Send us your message. Double eight double three or Kennard's high phone line. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. The other thing, Kimpy, we were get we got stuck into in the first hour. Ajahn Patel not in the test squad to play Bangladesh. You want he will them... be at the end of this show. Don't worry about that. The <laughs> doesn't be phoning him. I don't think steady. <laughs> I don't think steady is too worried. We've got to say. Look, I, I, I found it surprising, and I found it surprising for a couple of reasons. I feel like it's a missed opportunity to get a guy out here who's done something literally historic. And to not put him out there as a token of uh, let's go pat him on the back and celebrate what he's done exclusively, but because if he's not going to play now in New Zealand conditions, when would he play? And I think he is simply good enough. So it's a bit of both. And you said just make another position in the squad. Well, I think make another. I don't think the whole team at the New Zealand cricket sat down together and said, "What, you know, what are the selectors thinking? What are they doing?" Because if I was a marketer working for Cricket New Zealand, yeah. And I was a CEO working for Cricket New Zealand. I would be thinking, man, we're going to have a real good summer with the, with all of our supporters who are Indian in New Zealand wanting to wanting to follow the team. I think there's a few different reasons why he could have been in the squad. I'm sure you'll hear a lot more about this on SCNZ throughout the day. No doubt the key protagonists, the Gary said, the Gavin Larsons, will be tracked down and you'll hear more about it. But in the meantime, what do you think? Double eight, double three. We're off to get him at Cafe Coffee. Right now it's the news with Trudy for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. At Chemist Warehouse this Christmas, find David off hot water at 110ml for just $34.99. Baz and Izzy, we might be at the beach, but the show goes on. It's the summer breakfast on SENZ. Welcome back into the Summer Breakfast, 8am on the 23rd, we're ambling towards Christmas, picking up some steam. Hope you and yours are well this summer holidays, SENZ, the sport doesn't stop, neither do we. Stay with us, Stephen McIver after 10 o'clock, Ricardo and Beeve getting you through the afternoon, and Mike, can't believe I'm hearing that Patel should be selected for marketing reasons, what the actual bleep, Mike, tarting his brother, that's not what we said, I said... He's good enough to be playing, and he should be. And if he's not going to play now, he won't be playing in the summer. And I don't see. He's not centrally contracted. We know that. But that happened back in May. You know what happened in between then and now, Mike? He took 10 for. And I think he's gone to another level with his bowling, and I think he's good enough to be out there, man. But appreciate your message nonetheless. Double eight, double three. You're passionate. 
And if that's all that's the that, that's all you are today, I, I ha- I'm happy to take your text and um, keep them coming through. Double eight, double three, or even better, give us a call, Mike. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Let's duke it out, mate. We'd love to hear what you think and, and whether you're happy enough with this squad. It's not a bad squad. It's a really good-looking squad. Guys like Daryl Mitchell, and this is where it gets tough because you have to leave someone out. So you're going to leave Matt Henry out? You're going to leave Rachin Ravindra out? That batting aspect? Or Daryl Mitchell, another all-rounder? It's a nice squad. Will Young, Neil Wagner, Ross Taylor, the regular suspects. Um, we'll continue to debate that throughout the morning and throughout the day on SENZ, no doubt. Kempe, uh, later this hour, we're going to talk... We're going to talk harness racing with a slot race. Mm. 900000 bucks. You wouldn't mind being an owner with a, a runner going around in that. I used to I used to love punting on the trots too. You know, as a, as a footballer, I'd often spend a night down at Sporties in uh, Fitzroy uh, with Al Sharrick and, and Friday night trots at Alexandra or, you know, down the South Island, follow them around, and I ended up getting a, having a real good time with them. So good to hear that they got some stakes money there and, be, and, and a good conversation coming up. All right. Now, Amanda used to sit in this absolute seat back in the day, a different iteration of it, and he's done a lot. He's seen a lot. He's kicked goals for the mighty University Blues. He's imitated Jack Rewalt. He's had a couple of kids since down there in Nelson. Followed the Leeds Rhinos. Followed the Leeds Rhinos. Name a sport. He's across it. Hugh Bainan, you hear him with Smithy on his panel throughout the weeks, but he's actually got a proper gig, and he does pretty good at it as well. He's been appointed the GM of Leagues Basketball New Zealand this year. And uh, it's a pretty special time for basketball with a huge growth period coming up. And Hugh Bainan's on the line. Morning, Huey. No, oh, after the big wind-up as well. <laughs> <laughs> How you going, Hugh? You still putting on your Superman outfit? Uh, the, the game of the long run gave him too much. See, this is what happens when you give when you give people too much credit about who they are. Now, Hugh is a good man. He's across a lot of sports. And for basketball New Zealand, $3.3 million in targeted support over the next three years, Kempe, that's huge. Oh, of course. So when you're getting high-performance money, um, it's, the, again, that gap between high-performance and performance. You know, So what, he, what his role is with the the leagues around the country and how he's going to create those pathways through to high performance is, is really what I want to hear about, um, I guess, the build. How are you building that? What are you, what are you doing out there in the local competitions to build that pathway through? Yeah, I'm really curious about, and I'm sure they, they might not have had these conversations yet, but they would have hopefully been anticipating this for a while. I think we got Hugh on the line. How you doing, Huey? Yeah, morning, fellas. How are you? Yes, really good. Did you hear the wind-up we gave you at least? I didn't. I didn't hear anything. But I'm sure it was world class. Oh, I just said once upon a time you were in these studios for a different iteration of this, and now look at you. So there's there's hope for us all, mate. You're high, you're high flying basketball exec. Well, I tell you what, I told my wife this the other day. If you saw my workload. I'd rather be back in my studio. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's get stuck into it then. It's a big job you've got the GM of leagues in a sport that's going, been going through a growth period for probably a better part of a decade now, actually longer, but now the funding reflects it a little bit. Uh, I'm sure there's always more to be, more to come, but $3.3 million in targeted support over three years must have been an awesome Christmas present for Basketball New Zealand. Oh, it, it certainly wasn't. You know, we're building up to the day. Um, Leonard King, the, the, really the mastermind behind the, uh, the application for it, who's the head of high performance at Basketball New Zealand, you know, we're all building up to the day, getting ribbing in the whole time up until the, the day it came through. But really, everyone was nervous. You know, it's, it's been a long, long time coming for basketball and, and many other sports, you know. And, and 
you know, like, like say back in the day when I used to be in those studios, I was very outspoken about the funding model in New Zealand sport. And so for this new aspirational fund that they brought in, I think is a, is a huge step forward in the right direction. And, uh, and basketball, one of the one of the, the big sports to really uh, to reap those rewards early. So 1.1 million for a high performance over the next uh, a year for the next three years is a game changer. I said no seats, mate. The only way to keep it quiet, Huey, is to uh, to, to give you some money, mate. You'll be talking talking highly about high performance sport in New Zealand. But your role, just just have a look at that. Um, what is your role in as far as using parts of that money with the leagues around the country to to funnel your players through that high performance pathway. So my role is running the you know the, the national leagues for for men, women, and and our, and our three x three leagues as well. Um, so and the money itself that's primarily for our high performance, which is you know obviously the tall ferns, the tall blacks, uh, and the uh, the age grade national program. So what it means is having that money to go to that is the other money other money that basketball didn't have been spending on that is now freed up for the rest of basketball as well. There's a trickle down effect from that money going to high performance. And our job in the leagues, apart from, you know, putting on uh, an entertaining package for fans to watch and therefore inspire young kids to play basketball and and support their regional team, be it the Nelson Giants or the Waikato Wizards, um, our job is to provide a decent pathway for players to get to that top level. And that's what we're doing next year in particular with the new women's league uh, that's going to tip off in, in July 2022. And a lot of that has come from, you know, you've got to remember there's actually two windfalls of funding we've had in the last couple of weeks. We've had that high performance funding from High Performance Sport New Zealand, and we've had that massive new Sky deal, um, you know, which is worth around seven, eight million dollars over the next five years to the National Basketball League. Uh, unprecedented money for the National Basketball League and from a broadcaster. Um, so, two huge windfalls, two huge opportunities to, to take the game to the next level. So, Hugh, the first thing is you're thrilled, obviously, and this is massive for a sport that's been so deserving and so crying out for this. The next thing is, though, there's a bit of pressure that comes with that sort of cash to put it in the right areas. Is this stuff that you had been preparing for, kind of knowing that one day the tide was going to change, or now is it in the new year you need to sit down and be extremely strategic with the wider team? Um, Yeah, a bit of both. You know, you didn't want to over-prepare for it and not get it. Uh, and have plans in place, but certainly the ideal plans were put down. You know, and I think what we'll see most immediately with this money, Louis, is just being able to pay our high-performance athletes better. You know, be able to pay our tall blacks and tall ferns a little bit more. Be able to to get some of our tall ferns who play over in you know in, in deepest darkest Europe in some of the best leagues to get them home um, without them having to front up the cost. Which you know, as outrageous as it sounds, has been what basketball in New Zealand has been like for decades. You know, these players haven't been paid properly to represent their country. It's why we've seen players choose not to represent their country uh, over playing club basketball around the world. So this hopefully will take a huge step in that direction uh, and just make life a lot more easier and make life a lot more professional for the tall blacks and the tall firms when they're on the road. So they're not slumming it in a hotel when they're trying to play, you know, World Cup qualifiers. Um, They're actually living the life of professional basketballers, preparing properly for a game, you know, closer to how we see the All Blacks live their lives on tour, and that provides them the best preparation for their games, and, and the success comes from that. So 
that's, I think, the most immediate change we'll see with this money coming in. But but it's about getting it right, though, Huey, isn't it? Like, it's about getting it right across the board, you know? Like, I, I hear what you're saying about, you know, rugby league went through the same thing. You know, um, players in the Kiwis never got paid for years the, the same amount of money that their counterparts, the Australians, got paid. And you, and you hear about that now when Tonga played. Um, only last year, being the Australians on a on a on a pittance um, compared to what the Australians were getting, but it's about getting it right and not just about paying, I guess, for the competition, um, which is your local competition and your high performance players, but the aspiration of kids, um, the grassroots f- uh, facility and and clubs and that volunteer space to make sure that you, you know, in three years' time, when you've said you know for for this amount of money, you're talking eleven million dollars. What we've done is created a groundswell of people um, and and assisted that that grassroots. Uh, position in basketball is that is that a, a way that basketball is talking and 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 the way forward for your sport? Yeah, it certainly is. So that, that that that'll come from other money, and I talk about that trickle down effect because of course this one point one a year is, is for high performance, uh, but it has cleared up other money to use in the community space. So basketball New Zealand, along with Sport New Zealand, have unveiled the strengthen and adapt plan. So working with you know there's countless new staff in the community space around the country working with uh, all the associations to do just that can be you know like like you say uh, basketball's huge you know you, how many times have you heard over the last year our oh, fastest growing sport most played sport in secondary schools and all that you know it is riding a crest of a wave among young boys and girls who want to play the game because they can see superstars on tv a lot more than we could when we were younger you know the old half hour nba action on a sunday morning was um, pretty much all we got was now you know, you're immersed in it with your iPad and your and your phone. And LeBron James is here, Steph Curry's there, Stephen Adams is here. Uh, let alone the Breakers, uh, the National League we have, etc. So, kids are there and playing it. It's now time for the infrastructure to catch up, Kempi. So you're right, and, and that's exactly what Barcelona is doing the plan to do with strengthening the DAP. That's already underway. That national program. Now we have high performance funding to help the top echelon of the sport as well. You know, one of my favorite sayings I always like to say is you have to see it to be it. And so for young girls and boys who rarely get to see the tall blacks and tall firms, either on TV or if they are, it's at 2 o'clock in the morning at the other end of the world, uh, or live in person here in Aotearoa, it's hard to want to be a tall black or a tall firm because you never get to see the tall blacks and the tall firms play. So this will be a huge chance to host more games at home, um, to, you know, get better broadcast deals around our national teams, to and to provide just a little bit more exposure for them as well. So hopefully that we can show those kids that pathway with this kind of high-performance money and then provide it with the community system. Well, hey, something that's going to be a huge pathway for youngsters getting into the sport for the or the purest form, the five-on-five stuff, is the 3x3, which is now under your remit. Um, how much of a growth area do you think this is? And, and some people still can't get their head around it. I'm probably in that bracket. It, it's kind of hard to grasp how big this is becoming, how quick it's becoming, right, Hugh? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit like T20, Louis, you know, mm. back in, when they first started T20 and people said, oh, it'll never, it'll never catch or on. Or NFTs. You know, oh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, I'm never going to play it. But, you know, it's not for everyone, and we've certainly seen a pickup in the younger generation, like infinitely more than we have with the older, crustier basketball traditionists. Um, I remember heading down to Invercargill for the first NBL 3x3, uh, the Shit Cup, and um, this was in 2019, and we were flying down, and I was flying down with Casey Frank, um, and he's like, oh, this is, you know, this is crap, I hate 3x3, you know, <laughs> rumbling the whole way. 
and um, 100 time tall black. And then we get down there, commentate for three days, and on the way back, he's like, that was awesome. You know, you really have to see it to get into it. And uh, it's so fast, it's so physical. You know, there is a, a deliberate push from the referees to allow more physicality in it. Um, and it's a great little, you know, gateway drug for basketball, for, for kids. It's so easy to play 3x3, you know. And schools are doing it now. There's a secondary school 3x3 tournament national, nationally each year. It is huge uh, in Europe, the whole tour that goes around Europe, and they play in stunning places. They play in town squares in Italy. They play, you know, overlooking the Mediterranean. Like, you can put it on a court anywhere. You know, it's less, it's smaller than a half court. So, uh, and they really, they really um, ramp it up as well. So, having our teams go to the Commonwealth Games this year and play it will be massive. Obviously, we missed out on the Olympics last year. Um, but the game itself started getting a lot more traction once, you know, once it was on the Olympics and everyone was seeing it. Uh, so having the toolbacks and the 3x3 toolbacks and the 3x3 tool phones head to the Com Games in 2022, I think it's going to be uh, a real big, um, you know, propeller for the sport. Hey, Hugh, so have you engaged a good mate of mine, Bill Urali, um, King Capisi, in that 3v3, in that program he runs to Elevate for the Community? Have you engaged him in, in that um, that philosophy that you've just explained? Caps, Caps and I would talk uh, at least two or three times a month um, what a great guy he is, what a fantastic supporter he is for the game. He uh, is currently slated to be the MC at the NBL 3x3 in February, which has been postponed, which was supposed to be How October, that? postponed to February. Um, yeah, oh, King Trapeze is, is such an awesome supporter. You know, I was really nervous the first time I met him. I was like, oh, what's King Trapeze? I'm not cool enough to meet King Trapeze. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> but when he was MCing our women's league last year, or two years ago, uh, but, well, man, what a welcoming, generous, you know, really warm, lovely guy he is. Huge supporter of basketball. Um, he's got his own little online show that he's been running on Instagram for the last couple of years, which is, which is awesome around basketball. So he'll, he'll launch that up during the NBL as well. Um, so, yeah, we're certainly using caps as much as we can going forward, and especially in the 3x3 space, uh, Kempi. That's awesome. Huey, it's a very exciting time for yourself and basketball New Zealand, for the sport really. But on a personal level, mate, congratulations on this new role. Like, kind of was being a bit facetious when I said you used to be in here, but you literally did. I mean, you've this 2021 for you, for a lot of people, it's probably been insane and crazy for a lot of reasons. But personally, you've obviously kicked some goals and ticked off some goals. So you're feeling pretty accomplished? Yeah, I appreciate those kind words, mate. It's been a a good year, you know, my wife and I made a big move. We shifted out of Auckland at the start of 21. And we still haven't Nelson. found another Ruckman, so... <laughs> yeah, with our two kids and left, more importantly, don't worry about friends and family, left the University Blues Australian rugby, Australian football team behind. Um, and I'm still yet to find a new team down here. But, uh, no, it's uh, it's been a busy year and a good year. And, and you know, we're looking forward to hopefully return to some normality so we can go and watch a bit of sport. I'm not sure how soon that's going to be. Um, given all the variants that are going on now, but um, we'll plan as if uh, we'll plan for everything and see how we go. Eh? Yeah, awesome, man. Lovely to speak to you, and good luck for your uh, 2022 with this new role and spend this money wisely, eh? Thanks, fellas. 25 minutes past eight here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Uh, appreciate their support no matter the time of year. James, James, James has come through. Just wondering, guys, who won the other fights last night in the Gallon card, please? Paul Gallon, well, he. A technical knockout. They had to stop that fight between Darcy Lussick. It was getting a bit gruesome. Harry Garside defeated, uh, won his match by technical knockout. Joey Leilua stopped 
Uh, oh no, Hyington. he didn't stop him. Yep. Uh, Joey Lalu defeated Chris Hyington by unanimous decision. Taylor May defeated Freddie Lussick by unanimous decision. And the list goes on. Uh, Justin Hodges defeated Nathan Ross by majority decision. So that one went to the cards. And yeah, you can go and have a look. Just have a quick Google on nine.com. It's got a quite a good article on it. Kempi. So Paul Gallon rolls on another one. Rack it up. Always, always going to happen. You know, yeah. girls, girls in a different realm at the moment. Um, in and around the sporting people that can box, you know, he can actually box. So uh, Lussick, I think Lussick just picking up the cash in the, on that one. Way closer to a proper boxer than not, Paul Gallon. Um, double eight, double three. We spoke about the Warriors at the end of the last hour, Kimpy, and we've got some league fans that have come through on the text line. Yeah, Zane's got one here. Agree we need a hook at the Warriors, but Brenda Smith was not the answer. Oh, yep. Uh, I I hear what you're saying, but disagree. But great player, but he's a bit of a clown. <laughs> we don't have the strength or culture to contain that, um, contain that like the Storm of the Roosters can. We should have gone for Reed Mahoney, a, a good good hooker out of Penrith, uh, uh, Parramatta. Sorry, uh, we could have gotten him for the money we paid for um, for the back row out of Penrith, Neil Cordy. Um, so really don't understand why we paid overs for him. I get, like I said, you know they need some they need some edge players. I think he's not not a bad signing. Um, another one here from Berg and Wellington. Um, I think I think Berg was really listening to what I was saying. The Warriors won't make the top four. Struggle um, to make the eight. Young fullback with off field issues. Aging half that won't play eighteen games. No real hooker. Mate, verbatim. Spine is not good enough. Jeez, thanks, you and Berg. Thanks, Berg. You're on. You're on. You're on point. You're on point, son. And here's one. Slight change of topic. It's not like Ajaz isn't proven at domestic level. The man has great stats for the Stags, thoroughly deserves an opportunity. Cheers, Scott. Well, Scott, to your point, his first-class record, 65 matches, he's got 265 wickets at an economy rate of 3.14, an average of 31, a tick over 31. Uh, He's got 19 five-wicket hauls, four 10-wicket hauls, and eight four-wicket hauls. The point that really drums at home for me, an average of 31 in home conditions in test matches where he's only played 11. I think he has bowled in test matches in New Zealand, but the majority of where he does his work is overseas in very spin-friendly conditions, like in India, um, the UAE. He averages 27. So he's only averaging four more at home in first class, which tells me in way tougher conditions, and he's got a way bigger sample size, which tells me he's more than capable in our conditions. I understand horses for courses. I know what Gary Stead's saying, and I, I think it's tough because you have to leave someone out. Whenever you have these conversations, you need to say who you'd leave out. But I think there's a missed opportunity here. Who would I leave out? Did you need Daryl Mitchell and Rachin Ravindra, or is it Matt Henry that gets the play? Any of those three, I think an argument could be made that AJ's Patel should be in the squad ahead of. So keep your messages coming through on double eight, double three. And on the Warriors, hooker, hooker depth, Reese Walsh, off-field issues, a lot of pressure on that young man, Kempe. Every chance he's a bona fide star in one, two, three, four years, but there's every chance that he needs a lot of work and a lot of time poured into him. Yeah, look, and I, and I think you know he hit the ground running last year too. He's a bit of an unknown. There was some, some talk about this Reese Walsh kid in the in the Brisbane comp, uh, and and generally when you come through, you know, halfway through a season and, and jump into a, jump into an NRL, you you tend to have a really good run if you can play footy. But they would, you know, had a whole off season to do some analysis on him. You know, the likes of Craig Bellamy. Um, will we'll have done their homework, so the next time they play him, he won't be he won't be hitting the ground running. That you know they'll, they'll find the little chinks in his armour. 
um, and they've had time to an- analyse this young kid, and they'll and they'll put him under a bit more pressure. So they call that second year syndrome. I don't think you have it. I actually think he's a, I think he's a gun. Um, he ain't Kalen Ponga though. Well, no, no one's Kalen Ponga. He's he's an. an you hear Joey when he talked about Kalen Ponga yesterday? He, you could hear the. Oof. It's almost like a. It's almost like um. So like Alan Sherrick or a Jamie Richards or like you know Roy Burgesson. Pick you know. Listen, I don't want to keep naming Murray Baker. The, you, you know the the elite level trainers in New Zealand, when they have a good one and they go, can gallop. It was almost like Joey on Kaylin, eh? Oh, 100%. Like, just, you know, when you get someone like Joey John saying, mate, I'm, I'm coaching. The things I, he's I got doing. Kaylin, I've got yeah, I've, I'm, and just the breath, you know, like the gasp of breath to say, he's basically saying, man, the guy's a champion. The, you know? the way he's galloping and track work at the moment, uh, for Kaylin, it's, again, having a team around him and staying fit, right? And, and like, it's hard when you've got that much pressure on you. And you say Reese Walsh isn't Kalen Ponga, but do you know what? The pressure on him is almost the same. Yeah, and I, look, I think... Um, Which is scary for a 21-year-old kid or however old he is who's just had a little bit of a bumpy off-season. This might be the making of him, but he's going to have a heap of pressure on his shoulders. Oh, 100%. And I think having that that half a season under his belt coming into this year probably will do him the world of good. But it's, you know... It's a double edge. It's a double edge um, knife here because it's it's doing every other club in the world a good too. Because I've had a look at them. Mm. So you know, like I said, work will be done. Um, that's the other. That's the other um, positions that are a little bit scary for me is the outside backs with the Warriors. You know, getting rid of Ken Mamalo and, and letting um, the other good winger go up up to England at the end of the year. Uh, and you've got Barry coming through. You know these these other players that that can fill in gaps. Fuss. No, no fuss. You got no Peter Hiku. You know it's sort of a little bit thin and for me an experience on them. So young fullback, young outside backs. You're gonna you're gonna at some stage have to mix and match. And and again, that's another another area that's a bit of a worry. We'll keep this conversation going, but I'm curious from you, uh, Reese Walsh. What's the expectation of him this year? I and mean, we're talking about the Warriors pass, Mark, but for Reese Walsh, he's got a lot of pressure for mine. The way I, I see it, he's going to have to really step up. And he, he kind of was a, a leader at the end of the last year. Well, he certainly was. What do we think we can get out of Reese Walsh in his second year? It's tough. It's going to be a tough ask for the Warriors away from home again. Double eight, double three of the Kennard Tire phone line, 0800 150 Damon, we'll get to your question shortly. Right now, it's the news with Kubota. For Kubota, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. One, two, three, four. I love the way it flows. I love the way it grows. There's something in this sound that takes me far It's like a special song Can move my mood along But I cannot say you'll hit through my guitar She told me at the baseline Welcome back into the Summer Breakfast. We are 25 minutes away from 9am. Tom Mish. That's the best. Tom Mish. You, you like your Tom Mish? I love him. He is very... Absolutely. He's Kempi. We're, we're in... It's, something's going really right if we've got very similar music tastes, you know? 100%. 
Tom you're, my, you're my next DJ, mate. My next party. You're the man. <laughs> there we go. And I, 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 I said to Kim the other morning, I go mates rates as well, and it's just free. A, yeah, a little bit more than free. Uh, there's you, will, plen- you will, you will not walk out though. Plenty of t- <laughs> you may roll out. Plenty, plenty of ticks coming through on double eight, double three. It's great to have your company this morning. Uh, one here. Do you think Chanel T- Harris, Tavita Harris? Hundred percent. Do you think Chanel Harris Tavita could play a hooker? That's 100%, from Damon. Hundred percent, Damon. I think uh, I think it's an opportunity missed at the moment that they're not converting. You got to remember, like you know, the difference between Melbourne and the Warriors is that they can they can develop players in different positions. Cooper Cronk, where did he play when he went to the club? Do you know? Sorry, say that again. Cooper Cronk, he won a halfback. A hooker. Correct, but they converted him to a halfback. You know, is Chanel Harris Tavita fast enough from dummy half? And the mod- the way the game is played. How fast was Cameron Smith out of dummy half? Mm, yeah, but yeah, but Cameron Smith. I know, but, but apples but, and oranges. But, but, you're, but you're, see, you're the type of person that Joey's talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you know, smart smart brains they they think alike. But the average person will go, is he, is he fast enough out of hooker? Well, the, the answer to that is, well, how fast was Cameron Smith out of hooker? Okay, so the answer doesn't matter, does it, mate? Irrelevant. Maybe, maybe he's as smart as Cameron Smith. Wow. You know what? You, you yeah, never know, but it's talking about developing that play in the position. One of the biggest problems that they ever, you know, I think one of the missed opportunities that we've we've had with our big wingers around New Zealand is we never bought move them in the centres. And I was, and I was, you know, didn't think like that back at the time, but we should have turned Manu into a centre. <laughs> now we're getting loose. No, but I'm serious. We missed that yeah, opportunity. You move your biggest Scott, try-scoring weapon and the best finisher in the league into the centres. And we had big wingers coming through. You know what I mean? You 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 strengthen you strengthen that development position. So, um, just answer Damon one hundred percent. Damon, appreciate your message. Uh, there's an unnamed texter here, very complimentary, loving the league chat, boys. Kempi, keep it up. Look, well, hopefully we can get some more league chat going, and especially throughout the year. And one here from Patty. Hey, hi, funny. You're gonna throw out some tips for Madame and Ashburton today? Yes, Patty, I am pacing for purpose. The scan man has done scanned the fields for us, and we've got one at Ashburton for you. And I do, I've got a multi for you at Matter Matter, and I'm going to give it to you up after this before we get to David Branch. You're going to have to stay with us on SCNZ, but I've got a two leg multi, Patty, especially for you. It is 22 minutes away from nine o'clock. David Branch from Cambridge Raceway talking some harness racing up after this. You're listening to SCNZ. We're 17 minutes away from 9 o'clock. James, you're good, mate. Manu at centre. Ali Mayo, laughing my ass off. He could barely defend on the wing. And I'm a Warriors fan. Touche, James. He's got you there, Kempi. Well, mate, I was only just trying to help out there, James, because he wouldn't have to take any bombs. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, true. You know. Although he ran hot and cold. Some days he was the best in the business. Oh, mate, like you said, I think he, what, he go 10 years, um, 10 years, 10 tries or more in the, in the NRL? Yeah, incredible. Phenomenal stats. So you wouldn't be moving that to the centres, Kempe, but I, I like the end. I like what you're doing. Uh, there's a good message here about Daniel Vittori we'll get to as well, but right now it's a pleasure to welcome in Cambridge Raceway CEO David Branch. Very exciting news for the harness racing community, actually the racing community, and you might... How do we explain this? It's New Zealand's first slot race. So, we'll actually, no, we get David to explain it for us. Morning to you, David. Morning, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for taking the call this morning. When we say New Zealand's first slot race, can you speak in a layman's term for us so our, our, maybe our casual, more sports punters can get their head around exactly what we're talking about? Yeah, um, my default's usually to, to turn people towards the Everest as a, 
um, racing people anyway, but I guess from a, a real basic point of view, uh, people essentially come these businesses, purchase a slot in a race, uh, and then they get to choose their horse that represents them um, and races for them if you like. So they, they get to do deals with the owners uh, on how they split the prize money if they win, how they promote their slot, which horses they get, and all that drama and stuff builds into into the, the race, if you like. So essentially, if you've got a slot, and we'll work out the dynamics of it and, and actually the financial uh, requirements here, but if you've got a slot, the world's most exciting exciting maiden could race. It doesn't matter. You don't have to qualify apart from you need to have access to the slot. Yeah, definitely. And then, so it's a free-for-all race. So um, our one, so we've, we've done a few things to try and encourage uh, three-year-olds to start. We'll get a press draw and then mares. Uh, but definitely it's, it's targeted at the, the real top end of Australasian racing. And you see that. So $900,000, which is across either code, but especially for harness racing, is a massive amount of money. How did you settle on that figure? And how hard was it stacking up what you could get across the line and making sure people would pay their tab? Yeah, so it's, it's been a, a lot of work. It's how you're going in and doing all these um different scenarios around um, what works, what doesn't, looking at races like the Everest, which is obviously on a completely different scale, but seeing what, what worked really well for them. So we landed on $75,000 slots. Um, at, so that's the buy-in for the businesses or people that are, that are interested. Uh, then they will um, they'll obviously choose their horses. And then we're, in the first year, we're topping it up 150000 to get up to that nine hundred. but we're hoping in years two to get up to a million dollars uh, with pop-ups, and in the uh, third year to be over that million-dollar mark is, is our aim. Well, you, you've bitten off a wee bit for Christmas here, David. It's a <laughs> pretty ambitious. I mean, how long have you been wanting to do this, or how long has it been in the back burner for you? Yeah, well, it sort of with changes to the harness racing calendar. Harness racing New Zealand chucked out this this idea probably six months ago of a slot race, and um, where the jewels have changed, which we used to host. So they said, "Oh, Cambridge can run it. It works in with the calendar." Um, and it was originally at five hundred thousand, and then so the more the more sort of looking into it I did and the research, that model wasn't going to work. That was going to be more of a sort of sweepstake where owners would buy their own horse, and and learnings from overseas that really didn't didn't work and didn't wasn't sustainable and couldn't couldn't be built into something. So yeah, uh, a little bit nervous times at the moment, I guess. And like you said, a few days out from Christmas, going live with everything, but. Really excited, and uh, with the interest has been great. So I'm, I'm really confident that we're going to fill the ten slots, and and it's going to be, going to be great. How how many slots do you have that you're pretty sure are confirmed? <clears throat> I reckon we're up to about six at the moment. Uh, so, what uh, the way that the slots get chosen is we'll have an independent panel who will assess. So the slot holders need to get, essentially put together a marketing plan of how they're going to promote their slot in the race. Ah. Uh, so hoping that, and because obviously that generates the excitement and, and they they bring the atmosphere and all that sort of stuff and create the hype on the way the way to the race and then on the night. So, um, yeah, so there is a bit of work for the slot holders to be selected, so that's why we're, we'll be pitching somewhere between 15 and 20 would be ideal, and then we can sort of work down from there to get, our, get the best 10. I'm about to speak so far out of turn here, um, and... Hutchie and South Yarra, I know you'll be listening, so shout out to you. SEN got, got involved with a slot race that they ran in the Greyhounds. They bought a slot yep. in the inaugural TAB Phoenix. I think it was similar sort of cash. 
Hutchie, just a little wink, wink, nod, nod from hit me and uh, David here. How good would it be to have a little bit of an Issy involvement in that? Um, again, no promises. I, uh, this is completely <laughs> a spur of the moment from me. But how fun would it be to have some media involvement here, David? And hopefully people get on board with it because it is... For New Zealand racing, we've been speaking about it all morning. Innovation hasn't come overly natural, is that fair to say, in harness racing especially? So there'll be people kind of looking at this thinking, oh, it's a bit of a risk when maybe it's not? Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's probably the most exciting thing that's happened in harness racing since since the harness jewels, and it sort of works. There's a bit of momentum with the way we've changed the calendar. Um, but yeah, you mentioned the Phoenix, and I spoke to the CEO over there as part of um, at the Meadows as part of my research and stuff, and he gave me some great insight into how they got their slot holders. So definitely uh, sounds great. I'll sign you guys up. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got the blueprint to get to get, <laughs> get through to Hutchie. It's his call at the end of the day. But um, no, look, I, besides the point, I mean, I'm, I'm mostly just joking there. But I reckon you're going to fill yeah. these. I reckon you're going to fill these slots. No, no issue, because I think people will want to get on board because the thing with this sort of thing, David, as you know, it's about building that kind of must-have. It's that almost that jealousy factor if they are involved with they are involved. And the horses that you'll have here, how, how good, and do you have any names of horses on your lips that you would love to see turn up? Yeah, well, I mentioned before about how we've sort of framed the conditions of the race to hopefully get, give prefer, preferential draw to a three-year-old or any three-year-old. So um, the dream for me would be getting Akuda mm. to start after his win here and what he did in the Jules. He's, he's pretty much guaranteed, and this is another one, to draw barrier one, um, but we'll be taking on the big gun. So that would be huge. And then, obviously, the, the copy that, it would be um, huge to get a king of swing or you know one or two of those real good Aussie horses and just have a real absolute battle. be awesome. Oh, fair play to you, mate. I think this is brilliant. I'm really excited to help support you here because I think this is well overdue. For, and, and not just for harness racing, for racing. A slot race is something I've been dreaming of for a long time and I know a lot of people have. So I think Cambridge Raceway, you've got the right mix of um, ambition and also you've got the venue to do it and ho- host a good party like you have many times over. So best of luck and we'll follow along. Yeah, awesome. Thanks very much, Chris. No worries. David Branch, Kempi, that's exciting. You want to fork out 75k to get a, a, a pacer into the mix? Mate, I, what, what I was hoping to hear was where they all came from, where all the punters came from who were going to fork out that 75k and the type of sponsorship that they could probably draw from that. So the, it was really good to hear um, talk around this, uh, the marketing, marketing plan, you know, of, of putting this proposition together. Because what they're saying, not only is it just a slot to buy and, and hopefully win a lot you of money. You need to promote it. But you need to promote it, and and you're taking they're taking a holistic look at, at promoting um, the raceway and tr- and trotting, and I think it's a, it's a fantastic idea. I think that's that you know the Everest is the big one. Mm. I think I think that whole idea of you know you can buy a spot in a race and you think you've got a horse that can win it. You know what I mean? I think. Well, it's, it's to get, it's to get ten people to think that is a is a pretty innovative way of thinking. Well, because the, here's the thing. Not everybody that buys a slot will have their own horse to put in it. Actually, probably more the other way. So, for example, the TAB in Australia or whatever, whoever it is, uh, Hutchie, for example, SEN in the Phoenix bought a slot and then you go through the selection process to find the greyhound to go in that slot. And that's the exciting part. It's that dance, which horse is going to be available, which horse, you take a gamble on a horse like Lost and Running, way far out, to be fair, he turned up and ran, but you might have thought he better, would have been more of a chance, and shout out to Sammy Williams, Per Encanto, ran huge actually, 
But that's the dance. Mm. This slot racing is a completely new way of looking at it. Very exciting stuff. Great to catch up with David Branch. Staying on harness racing, we're going to be pacing for purpose up after this on SCNZ. Get Nasser on the phone. He is in another orbit. Lazarus does it again. SCNZ is pacing for purpose. Thanks to Harness Racing New Zealand. Yes, Thursday each and every week. Trying to build a bit of a kitty for Child Cancer Foundation here. Harness Racing New Zealand provide us with 50 bucks. We try to find a winner via the scan man. Troy Scanlon does a fantastic job down in Westport looking after us. He looks at the fields, he scans the fields, and he comes up with more winners than not. All right, so today we're at Ashburton. Gather around the campfire. Race number nine, Brother John, 6.50 and 2.30. I know you boys like the win place, so if you're that way inclined, fire away. Generally steps very quickly, and from the draw off 10 metres in the middle of the line, he if he can make the beginning, he can could easily be at the front with 600 metres. From there, he will do what he does his best and try run them into the kitty litter. <laughs> Huge top three hope and can win. Sounds like a win bet to me. 6.50. Let's have a punt. Appreciate that, the scan man. Harness Racing New Zealand, hrnz.co.nz. Live the dream. Get amongst harness racing. People like David Branch need to be supported and celebrated, I think. This slot race at Cambridge has huge legs and very excited to see how that goes. Now, Paddy, before we get to the news with Trudy, I said I had a multi for you at Matamata. Well, they raced against each other at last start and hot salsa. For John Bell got the win, but Felicianne came at it. Race number two, Felicianne's against Maideners. Wide draw, but Opion, $2.20. Take it to win. Multi it into Hot Salsa, because when Felicianne wins, the form will be franked. But multi it into Hot Salsa to place, because it's a nice little field. Race six, $1.90. Two-leg multi, $4.18. There's my best fear today, Paddy. We're coming up to the news now. I'm going to shoot off, grab some McCafe coffees for Tony and myself. We'll be back with Tim Seifer after the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. At Chemist Warehouse at this Christmas, find David off hot water at 110ml for just $34.99. Baz and Izzy, we might be at the beach, but the show goes on. It's the summer breakfast on SENZ. Welcome back into the summer breakfast. Three minutes past nine o'clock on the 23rd of December. Godspeed if you've left your Christmas shopping to today. That's going to be tough work. Uh, wherever you are around Aotearoa, it's a pleasure to have you on. The broadcast this morning, keep your messages coming in, double eight, double three. You're in absolutely ripping spirits today. It's always a pleasure to read your messages out and give us a call on 0800 150 That's the Kennard's High Phone Line. We've got plenty to come this hour, including Timmy Seifert. Tim Seifert is an outstanding keeper batsman for the Northern Brave. He's not far away. We'll talk to him about their match tonight in the Super Smash against Canterbury at the Mount. Uh, we've got some darts coming up. We've got Paulie Mawati from the TAB. I'll tell you about my experiment with Michael McNabb yesterday at New Plymouth. Yep, and so much more. And there's a couple of good texts, Kempe, to get through here. One on Daniel Vittori and one on Sean Johnson. Two very different texts. One that makes a wee bit of sense and the other one that is... <laughs> well, you, you talk about the Vittori one. I'll do the Vittori one, but I want to I save that to after Tim... Um, 
because that's brilliant. And we'll get to this this text on Sean Johnson not too far away as well. Well, they're second on the ladder in the Super Smash, and they're going pretty good. Spark Sport brings you 64 Super Smash matches live and on demand this summer. Their support means the world to that competition, and he's been going pretty good himself. Uh, Brennan McCullum, Baz McCullum, huge part of SCNZ, the founding father, really, our skipper. And I know he's got a lot of time for this man, Tim Seifert. It's a pleasure to introduce Tim to the show. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, how are you guys? Yeah, we're going really well. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. We're just uh, over in Towering at the moment. Lovely day here, so uh, I'm looking forward to the game tonight and hopefully we can get another win over the uh, over the camp taps tonight. Yeah, what's what's it looking like, Tim? You guys, um, you're feeling confident? Yeah, we are. We've obviously had um, two good wins against Auckland recently and, um, you know, the boys are still very excited. Um, early days of the season, obviously, what's happened uh, with lockdowns, obviously, we missed a few games in the season, uh, Red Bull cricket, so the boys are still very excited, um, as they always are in the season, but no, we're looking forward to tonight. Give me the, what do you expect the atmosphere to be like, Tim? It must be a lot of fun when you head down to the Bay on the 23rd December, a ripping evening. Will there be a good crowd you'd expect? Yeah, hopefully, obviously, kind of, um, over the last week, people have been finishing work, and hopefully they've been making their way to, to Taranga and the Mount, so hopefully we can get a good crowd, obviously the weather. It's looking great this morning, so hopefully that holds off for tonight and um, people come down and, and grab their tickets and, and enjoy some good quality cricket. And what's the mentality, mate, compared to just, you know, the, I'm the I'm just your normal supporter of cricket. They, every game seems the same to me. But with a Super Smash, what's the mentality that's different to a normal game of cricket? Do, do, when you're preparing, you're going out there to, to play in these games where you're going to have to score as many runs as possible, what, what sort of mentality do you take into that game? Yeah, I think obviously with T20 cricket, um, you try and make it as entertaining as possible for the crowd because at the end of the day, that's that's how T20 cricket should be played. But at the same time, you've got to adapt to the conditions you get given because every ground you play on, the pitch will play different. So it's about adapting to those and, and not being too reckless. Sometimes, um, oh, I, I can definitely put my hand up and say sometimes <laughs> we are too, too reckless. <laughs> uh, but it's just getting that slight balance between you know, not being too reckless and then just being in depth of the of the wicket and, and hopefully, you know, it should day and can impress. I was gonna to say, Tim, you're not you're not really afraid of a aggressive strike rate, are you? So when you get going, you're really heated up. And I know from Baz, for example, you've spent a lot of time around him. He loves that. He loves that sort of thing, that sale R V. Why don't you try and get us off on the right foot here and score some runs, especially if you're in the top or that top part of the order. What have you learnt from him about his attitude around T twenty cricket? Yeah, I think, you know, opening batting, you want to try and throw the first punch and, and put pressure on the opposition and and tell the bowlers that, you know, we're, we're here to fight and, and not here to just, you know, get rolled over. So um, you want to try and put that, you know, pressure on them straight away. But, you know, what I've learned from Baz and obviously a lot of the T20 uh, franchises around the world is that, you know, sometimes you just don't have to take every over down or every bowler down. It's about... Pit, uh, getting your match up and, and if that's the guy that you think you can get 20 off the over then that's where you try and cash in and then just try and get sixes or tens off the other over without trying to take many risks so it's just about kind of young kids try and see T20 and just try and smash every ball for six but sometimes there is a bit of a game plan to it What you're, what you've explained there is did you hear Baz talking to Izzy Dag about how to face an over of Daniel Vittori 
just six off it. I didn't hear that. Because <laughs> Izzy's trying to explain to us how he thought he could cut. He thought he could cut him. Oh, I love the cut shot, and Baz, right. Baz is like, "Are oh, you?" <laughs> Izzy, mate, t- it'll, it'll end up in the same place. It's just how it gets there every time. Just tuck it away to the yeah. leg side, six off the over, then take off the hairy jav or mattress McCullum, and then you go to get the long handle out. Yeah, that's the one. That's that's how. You know, the good people look at T20 cricket, and that's something that I'm still trying to learn, uh, you know, just talking to those guys that are world-class players of the game. Talking about talking to guys, what about the banter, mate? You know, like back in the day and, and listening to some of the banter that's going on um, with the with the cricket with the cricketers at the moment, what's the banter like in, in the, smash, the smash and grab? Are you, are you, are you trying, to, trying to turn blokes off? Oh, I think, like, nowadays that, you play with everyone as well, you know, with, with New Zealand Day Even stuff, better. black cap stuff. So you, you you definitely have a bit of um, ammunition uh, on players that you play. And um, you, you know their personnel, so you know what can uh, really get them going. But no, it's normally just friendly banter and never really crosses the line at all. So, um, you know, it's all just fun and games. Yep, that's good stuff, Tim. Hey, before we before we get to this um, pretty cool initiative that the ND or the Northern Brave are putting on with the Chiefs, fellas, I'd be curious to know what you're going to – you would have done your homework on the Kings. Where can you take them apart tonight for you? Where are you looking to score? Oh, a couple of them might be listening and a couple of them are just over there, actually, so I can't get too much information. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> then give them uh, something nah, else. Uh, it just depends, uh, you know, every bowler can have their day and, and some bowlers might be off, so, you know, and, and the wicket, as I said before, uh, we haven't played it over here recently, so it's just a matter of, you know, seeing how how the pitch is playing and, and see who's, you know, on their day or who might not be having such a good day and try and attack those guys that aren't. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can cross the line today and then get the win. Okay, well, this might be easier to answer then. Who are you teeing off on in the Clash of the Codes? Which one of these Chiefs boys is bowling absolute dollies, do you reckon? Oh, I'm not sure if Luke Jackson could get his arm over those shoulders. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think he might be one that kind of tee up, um, you know, so... Some of those boys, you know, I've played golf with a couple and they're excited to play that. So it'll be a great um, entertainment. And obviously the women beforehand, um, huge fans um, coming out like Emma Twig and, and the like. So it'll be an exciting day to um, park up on the Fed and Bank and, and um, you know, have a picnic and whatnot and come watch some exciting cricket. There'll be some good laughs, all right? Yeah, Wednesday, February the 2nd, right in the middle of summer. It's going to be a lot of fun, mate. Great initiative by the two clubs to put it on. You guys will have an absolute laugh. All right, Tim, we'll let you crack on, mate. Game day. Appreciate you taking the call for us. All the best out there, and hopefully you score a few. Awesome. Thank you very much. Have a good day. No worries. Tim Seifert is a good lad. Yeah, man. That was, that was, that was a good chat. I think he, he, playing is, he's playing a nice spat then um, in and around the banter. I bet you there's a bit more than that going on out there with those fellas, especially like you said. I've got some got some ammunition on some blokes. If it was me, I'd be terrible, mate, telling you. Yeah. I don't, I'm not surprised. I'm telling you. Yeah. One, one of the things I learned when I first went to Newcastle was how to sledge. <laughs> Hey, like Alan Sherrick said, Kimpy, times have changed. <laughs> times have changed. You well, can't get away with what you I, get I, away I, with. I'm nearly going to fight with Mark Glanville. He was our, he was our lock at training because you play you play on a Tuesday night, you have on a post session. Um, they still have them these days, you know, post sessions, but they were brutal, mate. If you were first grade playing second grade in a post session, um, the guy on the opposite side wanted your spot, so you'd, t- you'd tell him up in a post session. It's like sure, having sure. a game before the game on Saturday. Um, 
But the Aussie boys were great at sledging, mate. They used to sledge me. They used to sledge me because I was a Kiwi. Pretty brutal stuff. And oh, I won't repeat it on. And I'm, mate, I, I threw the ball down and chased Mark Granville one day. And he, he, he threw his hands up and he says, mate, I'm only joking. You know, <laughs> so I'm only trying to wind you up. And I was like, I, I got it straight away. I went, oh, that's part, just part of the game. Yeah, well, I suppose like, it's a bit. And it, you know what? So there you go. Extrapolate that out to cricket, mate. You see the Australians, we call it headbutting the line. And then things go wrong, like the sandpaper situation or where they take it too far. And you've heard instances even post the sandpaper situation where Tim Payne, just terrible chat to Ravi Ashwin behind the stumps, just kind of brainless, not funny stuff, just kind of like, oh, mate, just. Just getting under your, under your skin. Well, wicket keepers would be like little halfbacks, mate. You know, generally they're short, so they've got short man syndrome anyway. Um, and well, they'd, they'd be like a halfback in rugby, rugby, rugby league where they just never ever shut up. Yeah, we've got to be careful about that though, because we've got about eighteen wicket keepers signed to SEN: Gilly, Healy, Baz, Tim Payne, That's Smithy. What, why have you, Why have you got them signed? Because they're all good chat. Exactly. They can, they can all talk. Um, uh, it's good stuff. No, but you're right. So that, that sledging, that part of it, what's well, not they, the Kiwi boys won't call it sledging, and it probably definitely isn't. I believe, Tim. It's all just banter. Oh, I know what you ate last week. Oh, I know what you – we've been on tour. Just that sort of good chat. Um, but with a guy like Tim, you know he's a, a good man who kind of is trying to really think about the game because the amount of time he's spending around bears, and I know they work together a wee bit, trying to just – Make sure that he can figure it out and get the most out of his abilities because, boy, he is a talent. And he's young. Tim Seifer is young. He's got a lot to give the game of cricket in this country, so great to catch up with him. Super Smash is back this summer. Catch every ball of every match live on Spark Sport. Kempi, before we uh, shoot off, I said we'd read this text. Hey, guys, Daniel Vittori, he used to play in most of our home tests when he was playing, and Aussie for that matter, Nathan Lyon always plays. That's from Mark. This is talking about Ajaz Patel being left out of the Black Caps test squad to play, to take on Bangladesh. Uh, I take your point here, Mark, but Daniel Vittori didn't need a surface to really be effective. It was the work he did with the, the flight and the way he paced it and changed up. He could bowl six very different deliveries that all end up in the same place, but they'd look completely different. And you can go back and we actually had a good catch up with Daniel Vittori uh, post that 10 wicket haul of Ajaz Patel. So just search Daniel Vittori on Baz and Izzy for breakfast where you get your podcast and he'll explain that a bit more. Nathan Lyon, the surfaces are a little bit different. And again, he's a bit of a freakish bowler. And then there's this text here, Kempi, for you. Yeah, mate, and this is a good one, Georgie. And, you know, just a, a quick story. Richie Blackmore, great centre. You throw him the football, score tries. You know, one day we moved him from centre to the second row with Cusford to play in Hull because our forwards are getting towed up and we were short on the bench. And he mate, he did, I think it was like eight tackles in a row when we threw him the ball, he couldn't run with it. Now, here's his text. Should the Warriors at least try Sean Johnson at hooker to let him take more control of the game? He'd last six tackles. And the reason why you wouldn't throw him at a hooker because you need your best attacking weapon to be able to breathe and attack a uh, a, a defensive line. You put Moose Sean Johnson at the hooker, mate, he'd be too tired. They'd just run at him, they'd spot him, they'd make him tackle, he wouldn't get the dummy half. And he's and, and the other part too is he's never played that position. How much, this is a, here's a really stupid question for you that you probably roll your eyes at, but how much of being a good hooker is defence versus offence? I, they're both the same because if you look at the way that Cam Smith plays defense and, he, and his stats would would tell you that you know, geez, how did he get through so many tackles? A lot of those tackles were just tidying up the ruck. You know what I mean? They were pulling off 
good tackles when they were needed. They were filling in holes, but they were a lot of them were around the wrestle and the slowing of the of the play to ball down. Geez, master of that. And and the other part to that is getting a breath a breather not only for him but also for his side. And you've got, you got to remember, this guy at 35 was still playing 80 minutes of football. He played 80 minutes of football his whole career. So to the answer to your question, it's actually quite a good question. It, it's 50-50. You have to be a very – the difference between being a good defender and a smart defender. Ah, okay. You know so you don't, I mean? it's not all about putting shots on. and then 100%. It's more about being tactical as far as, in what you're saying, getting a breather in the wrestle, slowing him down. Yeah, kind of just, but he so, but Cam Smith again, he's a genius at the way he found the fine line of knowing exactly what the referee was going to be, the referee was going to, how he was going to officiate that day, and then how to get the most and push that boundary right until the whistle was about to be blown, right? They, they always give Cam a really hard time about saying, you know, he, he runs the game, he runs the referees. They, they had the first part right. He manages games really well. Mm. And the referees have no choice but to, to referee the way they do on the back of how Cam manages the games. And, you know, I remember watching him down in Wellington one time in a test match against New Zealand when um, he absolutely destroyed the New Zealand time up the middle of the park. And I was sitting at the, at the, at the front end of the game watching him come down the pitch, just directing the game. It was, it was phenomenal. He was like a bloke directing a plane into a parking spot, you know what I mean? He was just saying, go there, hit that bloke, we're going to go here. And he's pointing and talking and, you know, and he wasn't the quickest bloke out of dummy half, but he's, he was definitely the smartest bloke. How quick will he be an immortal? Because he will be, right? In my time, I've seen a couple of really good ones. You know, Sonny Bill Williams, we never seen the best of him because he went to rugby union at such an early age. But you know, that was a tragedy for rugby league because we would have seen some really good years out of him. Um, but Wally Lewis is an, is an immortal. Um, got to play against them and, and play, you know, um, see him play in those origin early origin games and stuff like that. But Cam Smith is the best I've seen. Like he, I, I rate him above Wally Lewis. For there's two, there's two reasons why I rate him above Wally Lewis. Is one because he played in that hooker's position, and it's in the and just kept transitioning through the time and being able to play eighty minutes. But two, just what he did, mm. like the amount of trophies that he won, and obviously he had a couple of them taken off him as the, well. The results, just result. He like his results are unbelievable. So if they don't move him into an immortal seat like tomorrow. Um, there's something wrong. They shouldn't wait too long, mate. They should name it as quick as possible. Yeah. Hey, Cam Smith, another part of the SEN, um, part of the stable. So the captain's run, you can go and find that wherever you get your SEN podcast or the SENZ app. And, man, some of the uh, shows that him and Denon kept put together, just fantastic. Some of the insights he gives throughout the season, just the way he thinks about rugby league, he's on another level, that man. Uh, it's 18 or 19 minutes past 9 o'clock now. We've got plenty to come, including some World Darts Championships. Keep your messages coming through, double eight, double three. Cam Smith, what a player. I mean, anyone ever see him live? And Can you relate to what Kempe's saying there about the way he would direct a game of football like he was kind of sitting above it from the bird's eye view? Send us a message or give us a call on the Kennards High phone line, 0800 150 811. The man, Paul Mawati. The man, the myth, the party, Paul Mawati, up after this. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. You are indeed, and we uh, thank you for your company throughout the summer. We're ambling towards Christmas, and we're starting to speed up now. It's not far away. It's time for a TAB Live update. Bet live on your favourite sports with the TAB app today. And uh, yesterday, well, I spoke about in a little experiment I was going to run. So the man, the myth, the party, Paul Mawasi, told us that they were running a hot jock promo at New Plymouth. So a hot jock promo at New Plymouth is where you can put up to 50 bucks. I think it was. That's a bit expensive for me. On Michael McNabb, any ride he was riding, if it was your first bet in the race, 
So fixed odds, he bet on Michael McNabb, and he was doing a lot of riding for Tony Pike yesterday. He's in unbelievable form, hence the hot jock promotion. And if your horse runs second, third, or fourth, you get your money back as a bonus bet. Now, McNabb, again, great book of rides in, sen- in sensational form. He won three races on the card yesterday. His horse only came, and he had seven rides. His horse only came out of the top four once. So if you backed him every time, which I did to run a little math experiment, I put $25 on every race, so it was $175 spend. I got back 197.5 from the winnings, and I've got three bonus bets, $25 each to spend. So Paul Mawadi, the science is, your promos work, mate, we're winning. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that work. To be fair, uh, Michael McNabb is just riding like a fair income champion at the moment. And as you say, he had seven rides yesterday, three winners, uh, three more finished in the top four, only one missed out. So um, I guess we'll have to do something for Boxing Day then. With Nabber? Uh, probably n- not McNabb, because um, we're doing a bonus back promotion on every race at Ellerslie on Boxing Day. So um, so there's a promotion at Ellerslie on Boxing Day, uh, but the stack promotion on races 1 to 10 uh, on Boxing Day at Ellerslie. So um, I guess because you enjoyed the hot jock so much yesterday, uh, we'll have to do a hot jock at either Awapuni or Wingatut. Oh, bugger it. We'll do it at both. We'll do it at both. Yep, we'll do it at Awapuni and we'll get to it. We'll... Paulie, Paul, you you're a man you of the people. You're a man of the people, Paulie. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah. The, the accountants are all on holiday, so uh, I can get this through before they get back, Louie. Don't worry about it. That was good stuff. He is riding. He's riding unbelievable, isn't he? The the markets are open for Boxing Day. I assume with all of these big days, you always encourage people to bet early, right? If you've got the means to, don't wait till the last minute. Get your bets on. A hundred percent, yep. You don't want to miss out. It's a huge day, Boxing Day. So um, as you said, I'm pretty sure we've got all the feature uh, markets open yep. at Ellerslie. Oh, and uh, I think at Awapuni um, and Wingatui. So, um, and I think the rest of the card should be out this afternoon sometime. So um, keep an eye out for that. Can I just, uh, can I just double drop. check something, yep. Paul? Just, just, just yep. between mates. Um, like there's a filly going around and she's got a real tough draw. It's a stacked, stacked two-year-old race at Ellerslie, race two, if I get paid. That's her name. She's goes around and the boys get paid silks. Can you just promise me you don't knock a couple of prices? Don't, just don't knock it down knowing that we're going to have a bet regardless. Can you just <laughs> promise me? I, I can assure you uh, <laughs> That will not be factored into the price, okay? <laughs> no, I can assure you. But if you want to get the opening price, you better get on early because, as you say, there'll be a whole lot of guys who will want to uh, get stuck into if I get paid uh, and race to it Ellerslie on Boxing Day. So as soon as that market opens, I suggest you get on quick smart because you know that everyone's going to be jumping on. You don't need to knock it down. We'll knock it down ourselves. We, we can't help ourselves. It might be the toughest race of the day. doesn't matter. Um, we'll be having a bet, Paul. I appreciate your time, mate. Busy time of year for the TAB. A great time of year. And again, as I said yesterday, well done on the hot jock. Picking McNabb had a great book. Punters would have had a lot of fun like I did. So awesome stuff.
Yep, so, yep, hot jock at both Awapuni and Wangatui on Boxing Day. We've just got to sort out who those hot jocks are. Um, and, of course, bonus back on every race at Ellerslie Boxing Day. We've got plenty going on. Beautiful, Paul. There you go. Promotions in play and hundreds of sports marks to choose from tab.co.nz. You've been constructing a multi throughout the morning, Kempi, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I also just thinking about a, I think a, a, a decent Cornella too is in race six in Ellerslie uh, on Sunday and uh, on the bubbles in Pareo Nui Bay. I don't think you can. I don't think you can split the two. Um, the bay's come in with a short the, the favourite. The bookies have. Yeah, I know. I, I can't believe that. I can't believe that though. It's that short. So, I think it's a decent Cornella that one. So two dollars for Pareo Nui Bay, who is. Uh, well, everyone knows my opinion on it. I've got a huge rap on the source. Uh, on the bubbles is three dollars fifty to Paranui Bay's two dollars. On the bubbles has had throat su- throat surgery, but you can't deny the galloping class that it is. Winning the Karaka Million two year old, uh, going on to win oh, plenty of decent races. Group performed, Group One performed horse. The throat surgery though, it's an interesting one. So you think had it. First up after it, it was probably the lay of the weekend at a dollar sixty. It didn't run poor though. It's going to take progression. I don't know anything out of the stables. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't heard how good it's going, but I think that it probably could have been a bit closer than three point five to two dollars. I would have liked to see Paranui Bay closer to that two fifty two seventy. The other one, Kimpy, is Field of Gold. Tony Pike's horse that was red hot chance in the two thousand guineas. That's pretty good form. And le- and paying eleven bucks. You know what I mean? So maybe throw that into your trifecta, those those uh, first three. Sophisticado hasn't had any luck. You know, same thing. It's been a bit shinsaw uh, last year in the two-year-old. That, I remember that that horse got plenty of um, plenty of talk around last year's crack a million. So, you know, it's a, again, they're, they're good horses, mate, in these races. You know, good days good days to be coming out and watching all these good things run. Definitely. Shaw's Wire Ropes, Uncle Reem Mistakes, 1,400 metres, three-year-old set weights and penalties. It's a hell of a race every year. Uh, Field of Gold, I think, is off on its way to the Derby. Maybe we have to catch up with Pikey. Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll get, get Pikey's as honest as they come. So we'll get him to let us know what's going on. 29 minutes away from 10 o'clock. We're going to talk some darts before the end of the hour. Don't worry about that. Heaps more to come on the summer breakfast on SCNZ. Stephen McIver up after 10. But right now it's the news with Trudy for Kubota. Together we are building and shaping New Zealand. Six minutes away from 10am here on your SENZ Summer Breakfast. Hope you are well wherever you are. Double eight, double three. You've got a bit quiet on the text machine. Come on, fire us up. Stephen McIver's taken over at 10am. He'll want to know what your thoughts are on Ajaz Patel missing the test squad. Understandable? Frustrating? Surprising? Disappointing? What is it? Let us know. Or even better, give us a call on the Kennards Hire phone line. 0800 150 Love to hear from you. Tell you what, you could, Kimpy, lose hours staring at these Boxing Day fields. There is some sensational racing going on. Mate, trying to trying to trying to find something to put in a multi. I, yeah, you, the more you look, and that's the thing. You should stick always stick to your first look. 
you know, because the more you look at it, the more it changes. And before you know it, you've got, you know, horses that you put, you weren't even thinking about looking at the form. So, hey, I just wanted to ask you the question, Louis. Did you did you read that article come out of Sydney yesterday from Paul Gallon talking about that $4 million fight between him and Sonny Bill Williams and really slagging off SBW? No. No, yeah, well, apparently, apparently, um, Hearn's come to both of them and and said that they both could fight for big money. And Sonny, and Paul Gallon saying that Sonny Bill Williams is running away from him. Who, Eddie Hearn? Eddie Hearn. I think it's Eddie Hearn, if I've, if I've got the article right. Um, but apparently, yeah, there's an offer on the table of uh, $2 million purse each to fight each other. Wow. Uh, I know for a long time, look, Paul Gallon and you... Sonny Bill is an incredible human being. Paul Gallon's the one that's in the ring fighting, so you, I would assume that he's not the one that's got the issue with doing it. But where Sonny Bill's coming from is he wants to give this a proper proper red-hot crack, five to ten fights over two years, and I don't think SBW would want to be jumping in the ring and fight two because he needs to know where he's at. So the issue is the timeline is completely off kilter for the two guys. So I don't know if it's either one of them ducking it. It's just if you're Sonny Bill Williams, are you going to get into the fight, into the ring with Paul Gallen in July this year? No, not, not at all. Not at all. And I think I think he's just doing a smart thing, Sonny, but not even biting at the That's right. At the um, the cherry that, that, that they're offering at the moment. But I do think the fight will happen. Well, it will happen, but the, here's what will happen. I, I'm certain that Sonny Bill Williams won't rush into it. It'll happen if Paul Gallen has the legs left and if he can pay, be paid patient enough to not get in the ring too many times before it. Keep the body ticking over because he's this close to be beaten to a pulp. That Justice Hooney fight was pretty hard to watch and his family doesn't want him doing. That's what Trudy's saying in her news. But for SBW, he's not about to drop everything and go scrap him now because it makes no sense for what he's trying to do with his boxing career. So the timeline's off for probably about six months to a year. Can they line it back up? And that's my amateur read on it. I'd love to see it happen. Yeah. Look, I I do think they'll line it up. I just think what Gallon's doing at the moment is he can't find anyone to fight him. You know what I mean? So not not on a caliber, like no, nah, you know, not on a sporting caliber. You know, Lusick Lusick throws a lucky punch and gets um, Hodges. You know what I mean? He's he's walking out. Hodges walked into that punch, knocked him out. What about Kevin Mialami? Well, you never know what Monty's lining up. You never know. There's something happening. If that's what we can, work, that's if that's all we know this week. There's something going on with these ex, ex rugby and league players getting out there and starting to get fit again. Interesting. Double eight, double three. Who would like to see that fight? Come on, boys. Gallon would destroy SBW. I knew you were still there. Double eight, double three. Who would win that fight? We're going to be back talking world championship of darts after this on SCNZ. To hear your voice, Baz. Missing you, mate. Hope you and the Fano are enjoying your break. Izzy too. Stephen McIver's not far away after 10 a.m. Kempe. But before then, one of the absolute features and the pinnacles of summer sport in New Zealand, winter sport in the UK. And it would be in the UK because it's pub time. You know, winter, you're in the pub, it's cold. And you're playing darts. Well, the Alley Pally absolutely heaves at this time of year. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this chat with Tom Bloomfield. He's our he's our guru out of the UK who follows the betting trends and understands what's going on in the World Dart, World Dart Championships better than anyone we could find. Tom is on the line with us now. Good evening to you, mate. Thanks for taking the call. Evening, guys from London. How are you? Yeah, loving it down here. It's breakfast time and there's nothing better than to have a cup of coffee and watch the darts on the tally. Where are we at in this tournament, mate? And actually, can you just give us the, um, in layman's, the enormity and the gravity of this event each year? 
sure, no problem. Um, as it's the evening, I'm having a little bit more stronger uh, drink while I'm watching this at the moment. But uh, <laughs> we're in the uh, second round at the moment. Um, as we speak, we've got a game going on, actually, between uh, a, a Russian bloke and, uh, and a Dutchman. So it gives you a flavour of how international this tournament is. Um, to put it uh, bluntly, it's the biggest darts tournament of the year, as it always has been and always will be. You've got 94 of the world's best players all coming together uh, across 18 days at Alexander Palace uh, in North London. And it's just basically the Christmas pinnacle for most darts, well, every dart fan and most sports fans in the UK. Um, it's a huge party every time with two and a half thousand tickets going on sale for each session uh, across the summer. And they get snapped up in about 15, 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, it's uh, a knockout format tournament. So you either win or you go home. And uh, yeah, we're in the second round. Things are progressing nicely. And uh, we've got some great matches to look forward to. Hey mate, few days. hey, mate, how you going? Just uh, for, for us Kiwis all the way down here under the bottom of the, the planet here, big, big, the big rig, Ben Robb, how's he, um, how's he looking for future darts uh, as a future darts player? Yeah, unfortunately, he, uh, he lost his first round match. So unfortunately, he's out of the tournament this year. But what I would say is that he performed a lot better than his first appearance at the Ali Pali stage. That was a couple of years ago. And, uh, and he lost his uh, first game 3-0. Oh, this time, he put in a much better performance. Unfortunately, he lost 3-1. But, uh, yeah, he was a lot more solid. I mean, in terms of uh, under the equator, Australia and New Zealand darts is going through a real good phase right now. And there are a lot of good players coming through. And uh, I would expect to see uh, Big Rig back on that stage this time next year. And uh, who knows? If he gets a favourable draw, he could see his first win. And then from there, who knows? It's a great name, isn't it, Tom? And he is actually a big rig. He's got a great frame on him. Looks like a blindside <laughs> flanker. Um, the, we love darts down here because the, the, the world, or the PDC, they do a fantastic job of bringing darts around the world, don't they? They, they take it, and we've had plenty of uh, action down here in New Zealand and in Australia. It truly is a global sport, as you pointed out. One thing I'm curious about yeah. is that the Alley Pally looks awfully stuffy. How's it going with the COVID situation in the UK at the moment? Because the Premier League's in disarray and players are being scratched left, right and centre. Any implications for this tournament? Well, uh, last year we uh, we unfortunately had every single session apart from one behind closed doors. Um, the announcement came uh, just after the first session of last year was, was uh, finished. Uh, as it stands, um, there hasn't been any announcement yet as to COVID restrictions hitting the darts. However, um, the Prime Minister has said that after Boxing Day on um, 26th of December, there may be some more announcements regarding sporting events, especially indoor sporting events. So we could see either no fans come to any of the events or maybe a reduced capacity. Um, I would say, however, last week I actually went to the event myself. Everything was uh, very heavily restricted in terms of um, COVID protocols. And so far it hasn't been designated as a as an event in uh, in crisis. But obviously we'll just wait and see. But Hopefully, uh, we'll continue to have fans at Ali Pali because uh, darts is very much a sport that gets the crowd involved. And uh, if you just watch some of the action, you'll be able to see that. This might shock you, Tom, but both Kempi and me absolutely love a buck. We love a buck. And for people <laughs> people like us, or well, like Kempi, he's, he's, you don't want to know what his salary here at ECNZ is, but for, for people like myself, one of the ways I resort to is trying to find a winner via whether it's racing, sports. I understand you've got your absolute genius brain dialed into this sort of stuff. How can we make a buck <laughs> off the, the darts tournament? What are we, who are we punting? Who are we backing well, here? Well, no pressure then, is it? I've got me all the way from the other side of the world, and now I've got to give you some winners. Uh, let me just consult my little black book. 
what I would say is I've got two players I'm keeping my eye on this year, and uh, they're not the two most uh, famous and, and betting favourites. So maybe a little bit of value here. Um, the top of the market at the moment is dominated by two players, Gerwin Price, the world number one, and uh, he's through to the third round safely. And Michael Van Gerwen, probably the most famous darts player at the moment in the PDC, the three-time world champion, and uh, also is through to the third round. But the two players I've got my eye on is the world number two, Peter Wright, uh, also known as Snakebite. Mm. And uh, if you don't know who he is, have a Google of him uh, if you're listening, because he has some, uh, well, fantastic mohawks. If I had hair, uh, well, as much hair as that. Maybe I try and do some, but uh, I'll leave for him to do that. He's also a local lad from my home county, so uh, I hope for him to do well. And then the second one, a little bit more of a, of a bigger price at the moment, but uh, James Wade, the machine. He's the world number four. He's still a very big price in the betting at the moment, but uh, he's in a bracket. Uh, his side of the bracket's quite open, to be honest, with a few seeds being knocked out, and uh, he's got plenty of experience. It's his 18th world championship in a row, so this is a guy who knows wow. what he's doing. And uh, he's through as well to the third round. And, uh, yeah, if, uh, if the bracket continues to open up for him, he might be able to sneak into the final. So those it. are my two that I'd be going for. Love it, mate. Love something at all. It's Peter Wright in New Zealand with the bookies to win it all was 8 bucks. James Wade, $26. So um, Gerwin Price, you're right, is hitting the market $4.33. Great to have you on the show this morning, Tom. You're really plugged in, so we might have to catch up again next week. No worries, guys. Take it easy. There you go, Tom Bloomfield. He's all things darts up in the UK, covering it for a number of organisations. And uh, as I say, I might go and have one of these $25 bonus bets that Michael McNabb provided me. Drop one on Peter Wright and one on James Wade and, and watch with good heavy odds. interest. Very good odds. Don't mind it. Eight, a, eight and pump 26. up your multis too. <laughs> now you, see, now you're sounding like Izzy Dag. <laughs> It's funny what that seat does to people. It's funny what it does, Kimpy. Uh, we're here till 10 o'clock. The bright lights, the bright lights are flickering in front of them. Ne- next thing you're going to be singing. If you got a rendition of Smithy Baby? Smithy Baby. Yeah, I probably could whack one out, actually. With the boys, if the boys wrote some lyrics, I'd probably whack one out. That's... N- <laughs> <laughs> You are unbelievable. All right, we'll go, we're going to go off to a break and come back. <laughs> 10 to 10, summer breakfast is easy.